Welcome to Center of Attention, the podcast. My name is Seth Everett. Normally, we do this show with either a former NBA player, Tom Thomas, or a host of other great broadcasters, including David Moulton from Fox Sports Florida, Jay Mariotti, longtime columnist and broadcaster, and many, many more. This podcast comes from a Twitch show. We do the show Monday through Friday live, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll take the episodes that we do online and turn them into this podcast. You can download this podcast at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you can find podcasts, but you can see the show live and on archive by going to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Seth Everett. And if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can subscribe to the channel for free. That's right. Just link your Amazon Prime and a Twitch account, and suddenly you can subscribe to one channel and not pay a penny for it. You subscribe for free, and we get the subscription. Go to www.twitch.tv slash Seth Everett for more information. Now enjoy this episode of Center of Attention. Sports are back, and you know who else is back? Our man, the head odds maker at Bovada, is back. Patrick Morrow. You know, the quarantine was weird. We missed talking to you, and it's great to reconnect, Patrick. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking about real sports again. Uh, you know, the bubble hasn't been popped just yet, and uh, it's we, we are excited at Bovada. We, we had to rack our brains. Uh, ping pong, Belarusian soccer. Jeopardy odds day in day out. It's it's really nice to have NBA, NHL, MLB back. Although that seems to be day to day right now. It's uh, it's very exciting times for us. It really really is. And you know we start with the NBA and they're finally in their 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 playoffs, which I thought it was essential. You know the NHL they went into a playoff. They created an extra round essentially of their playoff. But the NBA they in essence, extended their regular season. And even though there were some big upsets, you know, players were sitting out games, and I just kind of laughed because you're in isolation. You're sitting out games in isolation. What else are you doing? <laughs> like, what? Is it, is it the travel's not getting to you? I never, I never understood that. But now we're finally into the playoff rounds and the first rounds. And I'm playing favorites for a lot of these series. Are there series that could really spell an upset? You know what? One that we've been seeing uh, from a lot of our players so far in terms of future series price betting is uh, the upstart Portland Trailblazers against uh, a Lakers squad that hasn't looked particularly great uh, in this return to the bubble. And as you noted, uh, players might have a lot of things on their mind. They're sitting out. Uh, first overall seeds are accomplished. Um, but what's not being talked about a lot is that uh, home court advantage doesn't matter inside the bubble. Uh, the Lakers getting that precious one seed. It's not even like hockey where, you know, they can get that last change out there on the court. Uh, there really is no advantage to being number one or number eight. And uh, I think when you look at uh, Damian Lillard and that Portland Trailblazer team, they have been one of the most exciting, most talked about teams in this bubble. Uh, so I, I think, you know, I, I, I'm not calling my shot here. I'm not saying it's uh, Portland over the Lakers. But in terms of those first round series, I would say that betters are certainly eyeing that one early with uh, the chance of an upset. Again, not calling my shot, but that's what we're seeing so far. You know, one of the things about 
you know, we're rooting for Portland just because of Carmelo Anthony. And over the course of a long season or even a long playoff, you wouldn't necessarily you'd wonder about the the, 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 the turmoil, just the, the the travel and all the things that go into a playoff beyond the games. But in these situations, they're just the games. Has that affected odds? Yeah, you know what? I, I think uh, more than ever, we've really seen kind of a recency bias. Uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting because as you noted, uh, you know, the NBA regular season, there was a lot of similarities to a regular regular season in normal times where players are resting. You have teams, you know, seemingly almost uh, although that was uh, we were able to miss this this time around. But uh, yeah, otherwise it kind of ended the way the NBA regular season ends with a bit of a lull. However, you do have that added wrinkle of the play-in game, which created a additional excitement, something I think I'd love to see the NBA uh, continue to do in years to come. But otherwise we are still seeing, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, incredibly popular out of the East. This that Toronto perhaps can overcome with the shower of coaching uh, with a lack of star power, to say nothing of how strong Kyle Lowry and the rest of that supporting cast are. But there's still primarily this idea that, you know, it's it's the Clippers, it's the Lakers. The NBA is still a star-driven league. And if you don't have one of those legitimate superstars on your team, how far can you really go? Uh, having said that, the Milwaukee Bucks have certainly had uh, an interesting start uh, to both the bubble and uh, the playoffs. But uh, I, I mean, the expectation is still that the cream is going to rise to the top with these legitimate top teams in the NBA. All right. So rather than go each round by round, bottom line this for me, uh, where are most people putting their dollars? Right, is it on the Clippers, the Lakers or Milwaukee? So right now, the most all-in dollars are on the Los Angeles Lakers and Milwaukee so far. Uh, Toronto getting a mid-range of those bets. And, and again, Portland, uh, they, are the ex they are the public dog, as we like to say. They are the team that uh, has that nice, juicy payout, uh, the highlight reel. And, uh, you know, that team that people keep talking themselves into, like, they could... They don't really quite have that depth and outside of Lillard. I mean, they're still a very strong team. They're exciting to watch, but I don't think they get there. But yeah, primarily where we're looking at it, it's the Lakers, it's the Bucks, and then to an extent, it's the Clippers. Bit of a fall off from there. You kind of see the Toronto Raptors, again, because of the favorable coverage that you're getting uh, of Nick Nurse and the way this team, you know, there's this idea that a smart front office, a smart coaching staff, uh, has an ability to succeed in this bubble in a way that teams uh, that are traditionally strong may not be able to. So there's this idea that the Toronto Raptors front office and coaching staff may be uniquely positioned uh, to combat inside the bubble. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily buy into that. Uh, I still think the smart money is the Lakers, is the Clippers, is the Bucks to an extent. But, uh, you know, nobody... Uh, Nobody did so many different things this season while losing a superstar than the Raptors and Nick Nurse. So, you know, th there's certainly a compelling team there, but history is just not on your side if you don't have one of the top three to five players in the NBA. Turning to the other bubble, and uh, it's north of the border where you are in Toronto and Edmonton, the NHL has come back and they did it a little differently. They didn't have an extended regular season. What they did was they had a play-in round, and then they had a round-robin to determine the top four seeds. Immediately from the drop of the first puck, it felt like the playoffs. I mean, there's no secret. It, it felt like the playoffs, and the way the game presentation is like, 
literally it's it's regular nhl rinks and I, there are times you forget they're even in the, the the bubble uh yet at the same time it's wide open what about the interest in terms of volume how much action has there been on hockey you know what? We've actually seen a really nice uptick in betting handle at Bovada on the on the resumption of the NHL season and the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, you know, we didn't even get a chance to touch on the normalcy of the Toronto Maple Leafs exiting in the first round. Uh, you know, how is that for, you know, some sense of sanity in a world that doesn't make any sense? The Leafs with an early exit. That makes sense to me. Um, I, I think when you look at the NHL, I think part of what makes it so compelling if, uh, you know, anybody can beat anybody in the NHL. And looking at our futures odds right now, uh, they're, you know, they are really that contrast to the NBA where a team can run hot. A team like uh, the Islanders, for example, you know, can start thinking about that Stanley Cup when maybe you wouldn't be thinking about that. Well, certainly not in the last couple of months, but, if, but prior to this pause on the U.S. sports side, you see more of a, a mushy middle of five to one, six to one, seven to ones all out there. There's this idea that, you know, there's, know a half a dozen to 10 teams that can uh you know compete for the stanley cup that just doesn't exist in the nba where those top teams really are on a separate tier i think that's part of what makes the, the nhl playoffs so exciting is every game matters every every bounce matters uh and I, for my money there's nothing more exciting in sports than nhl playoff overtime hockey Oh, it, it, it's, it's something else. I mean, there's no secret about it. And I say it all the time. And, then, you know, for those of you listening, I don't push hockey on you. Watch a game. Tell, Especially if you can do it in person. Watch a game. Uh, come to me, look me in the eye, and say it's awful. And you'll never do it. No one, no one ever does. Um, it's been very, very unique. Um, given that, and given the idea that uh, you have some upstarts, you know, the, uh, the Capitals who won a couple of years ago, uh, they are on the verge of defeat. And, you know, one of the things that you have to recognize with all of the NHL's wide openness, you know, Arizona's come in and they had a high hopes and they're getting beat up. You know, you're looking at some teams and as the bubble thins out, you're going to start to see some of the most tightly contested. How are you finding favorites? Where are you finding favorites from and how do you pick them? Right. And, and you know, I, I think uh, one of the best things about the return to hockey so far was, you know, everyone was wondering, what was the intensity going to be like? Uh, you know, they're playing inside a bubble. They're playing for what many of these teams, most of these teams are neutralized. And you had that first Calgary-Winnipeg game where they absolutely uh, tried to take each other's heads off. Uh, and then that's something that, uh, you know, it showed this level of intensity that, uh, okay, th this is serious right from the get-go. We're not easing into this. And I, I think that's exciting. It, it certainly creates challenges from an odds-making point of view when, uh, you know, teams aren't just trying to outscore each other. They're trying to outkill each other on the ice. But, uh, I, I mean, hockey is a bit more similar to baseball in that uh, we do know which teams are better, theoretically, uh, based on, you know, things like shooting percentage, based on things like expected goals, puck possession. Hockey has come a pretty long way in terms of advanced analytics. It's not quite at MLB where the game is close to solved. We do have rough expectations, but the problem is that even the best teams in hockey really only ever see their win expectation, you know, hit something like 65, 70% pre-game. You don't really see too many scenarios where a team is favored at 80% or higher to win a game. So as a result, it lends itself to a lot more upsets. Do you have a scenario where 
you know, the Canadians knock off uh, the Penguins. The Canadians, who shouldn't even have been in the playoffs, they were all but out, if not for this this rejiggering of the rules. We had them at 500 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup prior to this uh, pause. And then because of this uh, rule that allowed them to play in, this uh, resetting up of the league, uh, you know, they reposted as 51. Then they knock off the Penguins. You know, uh, hockey is exciting like that because it does really allow any team to think that they can get hot, they can run hot, and they can run the table and have, you know, a really memorable kind of run. Similar to teams like, you know, Washington in years past, uh, Vegas Knights were 101 the year that they uh, lost in the finals there as well. and it creates a lot of compelling stories that, you know, heroes are born in the postseason in the NHL. And, uh, you know, it's been that it's been a pleasure to watch. And it really feels like even though they're in a bubble, that hockey hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, really. And, and they got four years of uh, collective bargaining agreement. And I just can't when I say that, I can't even believe how, how well they've done. Uh, pick a winner o- overall. Is it Colorado? Is it Fl- Philadelphia? Oh, my God. Could the Flyers really do it? Um, there's a, there's other options, and how much of a drop off was uh, the action on Boston after Tuka Rask uh, left the bubble? Right, that was that that was interesting. We had nobody really saw it coming. Although the talk out of Boston was that this was something that had kind of been in the background. The team was aware, players were aware. Uh, Bruins still right there as six to one. They're the fourth favorite. Uh, I still think you know, and, and this pains me. To say this, but uh, they're still right there. It, it's the Bruins, it's Tampa, it's Vegas, it's Colorado. It's tough to pick a winner in there, but if I have to pick one, I would say Boston brings a lot of experience there. Uh, nope, I changed my mind. Tampa Bay, there you go. How's that for an on-the-fly pivot? I, I think Tampa Bay writes the ship a little bit from last season. They exercise those Columbus Blue Jacket demons and they get it done. Yeah, there's no, 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 no question about it. And it's it's one of those strange things uh you can find all of that information whenever uh these playoffs are going on as far as major league baseball next week we'll talk about uh we'll be at the halfway point of a shortened 60 game season and we'll start to see if any of these upstart teams are real and we'll see if the cardinals ever play 20 games we'll see about all of that patrick we'll talk to you next week all right take care seth And welcome, everybody, to another edition of Center of Attention. And my God, this is a new look. Wow, we're in a different place. And a ton got a lot whiter. No. Exactly. <laughs> I had to go there. I had to go there. Uh, a ton can't do every day. And uh, we have a plethora of people that we lean on, that we go to. And he is one of the best. Uh, Danny Shays played in the NBA. I know him as a Syracuse guy because we did a show together up there. And uh, we have been friends now for a while. And uh, Danny, I, I literally asked you when, when, when you called me yesterday out of the blue, because we don't talk every day. We talk once a couple of weeks. And yeah. you called me just to shoot the bull and see how things were going. And all of a sudden, I had just literally found out that I didn't have somebody for today. And I go, wait a minute. Can you do this? Can you, can you, can you do this? Um, <laughs> and you know, for you, Seth, you have but to ask. Yeah, and just yes. and we, just, and we just one it. clarification though. I've been losing weight, so I no longer count as a plethora. There just you know, there you go. Well, that's at least not we by myself. The S off centers of attention because that's against the law because we don't own that. 
We don't own centers of attention. We went with the DJ look. This is a DJ look, and Andrew says, I feel as though I should turn off the lights in my office. There are literally levels every time we talk. There are lights that are going up and down every time we talk, and I think it's so fun. Uh, I met one of the guys over at Streamlabs, uh, this guy named Matt, and he got me motivated to play around, and I'm playing around. And This is what it looks like. So not only do we have uh, a different guy on the left side, and when we go to a guest, because we have a guest today, uh, the great Mike Waters from uh, Syracuse.com is going to tell us what the hell's going on up there. Uh, when that happens, we are going to honestly uh, have a different screen and watch what we're going to do. This is just a test. When we go to Mike Waters, Danny, you're not going to see anything, but everybody else will. This is what it's going to look like. Wow, that's cool. Wow, okay. that's awesome. And that'll be bigger so then we can go smaller because our boxes will get smaller on Zoom because we will have a third person. And that's going to look cool. And then when we say goodbye to Mike, we'll go like this. And just like that, we're back here in the, in the thing. Uh, as always, if you're new uh, and you have Amazon Prime, who doesn't have Amazon Prime? I don't know anybody that doesn't have Amazon Prime. I'm being honest. I have yet, and I've met, I know people that are super wealthy and super poor, and they all have Amazon Prime. Everybody I know has Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, you can subscribe to this channel, uh, and you're going to want to, but you can do it for free. You can do it absolutely for free. You don't pay a dime. Just link your Amazon Prime with your Twitch account, and voila, you can subscribe for free. And because we went with the Rockstar purple look, I wore the Prince t-shirt. I wanted to, you know, I had to represent. And I'm legendary, so. And you didn't, yeah. I, I don't blame you, and you didn't. But well, it's still legendary. You know, you could have told me sooner. And I fixed my mic. And since we started this Twitch show, my mic has been super low. And now I have this device here that makes it super loud. And I actually have to lower it, which has never been my problem forever. So this is all new things. How have you been? You're in Arizona? I'm in Arizona. And it looks like I have to get out and get more sun now. I'm a little... A little, a little pale, yeah. A little pale looking, but uh, it just wasn't hot enough in Denver. Uh, we've had a nice heat wave here, uh, 111 to 115 every day. It feels great. Yeah. You know, you get over 50, those muscles get nice and loose out in the heat. And uh, and we had our first haboob in a while yesterday. A what? Uh, which is those galactic sandstorms that Ooh. blow through town. So what are they some called? Some places have hurricanes, earthquakes, rainstorms. We just every once in a while, every couple times a year, get these sandstorms. Looks like the old Indiana Jones uh, outtake. And uh, yesterday was enough to shut down the highway. It was actually a pretty good one. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's, but correct me if I'm wrong. It's a haboob? Haboob, yes. That's haboob. the official term. That's an official term. That's and a real thing. And I think thing. it's Arabic for big wind or something like that. That's and, a real uh, thing. Who knew? It's a real thing. What, yeah. I yeah, Google it and uh, just, or just check the Phoenix weather. They, you know, beautiful, like I said, it looks like an Indiana Jones movie with the thing coming over the mountains and swarming up the city it was pretty cool oh that's spooky that's uh that, that that's pretty spooky uh obviously uh the thing that's going to tick me off uh is the college scene and like i said we'll get into that with mike waters um and it's just going to feel like an old day because we used to have mike waters on the syracuse show and mike waters is coming on and he's going to tell us what's going on on campus because i want to understand this north carolina had a plan to have everyone come on campus like that was the plan 
and it has been I don't I don't want to say 50 50 I don't know the exact numbers of what schools are doing virtual and what schools are doing on campus but I'm not happy that Syracuse is doing on campus I'm scared and I don't like it and I'm going on a week from Thursday and I just want an email every minute I want an email that says hey um, let's do an email and ju- let's just tell you um, that you're, you're not coming and you're going virtual. Well, in North Carolina, they're kids and they've been <laughs> cooped up like everybody else has and they partied and there were four different clusters and 130 people tested positive. And did you see the headline? This is the greatest headline in the world. Did you see the headline from the North Carolina student paper? I did not. Oh my God! I'm I'm putting it on, I'm I'm getting it on, and I'm gonna put it on the screen. Danny's not gonna see it, but I it, it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and I'll hold I'll I'll put it. So up correct there. me, didn't it start in a sorority house? Wasn't that like the first cluster? It might be. That, I that's thought that I thought that when they announced the story, I thought it was. They had like twenty three cases in one of the in uh, one of the sororities. The front page, and I'm putting it on the screen. How do I put this on the screen? No, that's not what I want. How do I do this? Oh, there you go. I'm putting it on the screen. Oh no, I don't know how to how to put it on this. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to put it on the screen. Uh, but it literally says uh, UNC has a clusterfuck on its hands. <laughs> that was the line, and it was it was great, <laughs> and. Somebody on Twitter had, to me, the greatest line was, can someone give them the Pulitzer Prize right now? <laughs> and that made, that made me laugh. I saw that last night, and this was the campus of North Carolina, and I'll show you how it ties into sports because I want to get your thought. So the, 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 they didn't have a plan. They don't have a proper social distancing plan. No one followed the rules that they did put in place. 130 cases in two days, mind you. And... They sent everybody home. The only people that are staying are the goddamn football players. Your thoughts? Uh, Well, it's much easier to put the football players in a bubble if there's no students around. Um, You know, this is this is such a compelling story for so many reasons, because isn't that prison? What's that? Isn't that prison, though? Well, you know, they got work release. so that's the good news. Yeah, the, what makes this so compelling is, you know, in the past, I've railed against the concept that you have the NCAA has football and basketball driving the revenue for all whatever, 29, 30 sports. But the players themselves take all the risk and none of the benefit outside of playing and basketball, specifically the best players are there a year or two. So they really get no value of college. Uh, and it's totally skewed where all the risk goes to the players, all the benefits go to the schools. And, you know, so we've railed against that under the heading of, you know, allow the players to earn money in college. Don't pay them, don't give them money, but to do an autograph signing, to do a, you know, commercial. And I get there's, you know, there's all these tampering issues, but look, you, you have issues one way or the other. And I think that it would help players stay in school if they could earn a few bucks for their family instead of racing. I talked about perverse incentives. Players, we're talking about only the top, top players, right, who go to school to earn a living as a pro. And the, the NCAA and the NBA want them to stay in school, talking basketball only, of course, at this point, but same for football. Uh, they want you to stay in school, but all the incentives drive you out of school. So, we, you know, and now that's finally being addressed. But now you have the opposite situation. 
where by canceling football, you know, and this becomes this big cost benefit, by canceling football, it affects the you know, the, the careers of you know the other X number of sports that Carolina has or Syracuse has up to the you know whenever they play 30-ish sports for the NCAA. So you cancel one, you cancel them all. The vast majority of athletes will not get COVID, will not have lingering effects, but yet you're making them all pay. I'm not saying which side I'm on, it's incredibly complicated, but it's not just the issue of, well, the only issue is nobody should get COVID because again, there's, there's a huge price to pay on the other side of this equation. And the question is, how do you protect the players? Uh, the NBA and the NHL have done bubbles. They've had the advantage of a very short time period. There's like 10 games left in right. the season. Expensive bubbles, yes. And the playoffs. And it's hugely expensive and difficult to do. Uh, football and baseball have not. So now you've got at least you know two scenarios to look at. College has its own complications. But again, from the revenue side, it's just, it's just too simplistic to say, oh, one case is too many. Because, you know, by canceling football and, and, and or basketball, you cancel the futures of however many tens of thousands of athletes who never get that year back. Pros can get the year back or they can extend or get their contracts paid. Because they've already reached uh, that level. You, you, you make that. Exactly. They're already there. Only, they 2%, can make only 2% touch the pros. And, and exactly. So, so this college is a super complex because it has all the risks, maybe additional risks, as you talked about. Uh, and, and the only benefit is to be able to play. There's no backup plan. You know, yeah, they can, you know, give you another year of eligibility, but if you're not going pro and you graduated, it just, it just, you know, makes it so complex. I've been on the side of play if you can without taking, you know, risk. Cause there, are, I mean, there, there clearly are risks. Nobody knows the long-term effects. It's, is it the flu? You get it, you get over it, you're done, you're immune, or is it, you get it, you get over it. And who knows if you have some lingering, thing you know that's the unanswered question there have been signs that there are some long-term effects to doubly complicate it um but again it's just not as simple as saying well you know uh nobody should get a case so let's do everything to not get a case no 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 that's that and that's never been what my assumption has been i i want to clarify my position because the the audience that's been watching from day and day we've been talking about this for a long time so i want to make sure you understand what i what my issue is is the college athletes are not paid and they have, and, and, and that's a complicated issue. And to put them in isolation um, just seems very unfair. Whereas if you're asking a professional to do it, a professional has the opt-out op- option. You know, Tuka Rask of the Boston Bruins said, this doesn't feel right. I don't want to be a part of this. I'm out. And he had that choice. Baseball players opted out all over the place. The Cleveland Indians almost had a mutiny in their clubhouse because these two idiots went out. And the problem that I'm finding with college kids is in football. Now, basketball, I, I don't, we haven't gone to basketball. And I want to I hold off because basketball's got months. But football, I think, is too hard to isolate. I think it's too hard. And the reason is the sheer size of it. It's it's hundreds of people, and right. and that's and not just the players. Don't forget, it's just we're not staff, talking about just the, the players, the coaches, the every equipment guys, the travel, everybody. you know, all that. It's uh, uh, you know they they found the NBA bubble is I, I'm trying to remember how many, you know, there's like 500 players, but the total number is like 1,500 people in the bubble, uh, to run the games and. Uh, so, you know, so, you know, getting back to your point, yes, it's, 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 
exponentially more complex than football. Right. And, and, and football is such a contact sport and it's not to demean baseball or basketball, but even though there's, there's levels of contact, not like football, football, you're literally on every play have to tackle somebody. Everybody. Like they all get into a pile. There's a big difference. And my argument for a football is I have the same philosophy that I have about my kid's school because my kid's school has been disappointing in the sense, and I'm not one of those annoying, obnoxious parents, but my, my, I, I logged on to the, to the virtual uh, board of ed meeting. And I wanted to hear a good plan and they don't have one. And so my attitude has been not forever. I'm not saying never again. But starting the day after Labor Day, when school starts, my kids are staying home and they're doing the virtual plan. There are other people down my street that are saying, we're going to school. And my response has been, and I don't mean to be callous about this, and you can call me a jerk if you want. Let those idiots be the guinea pigs. And if they come out in six weeks or four weeks, however long you want to do it, and they say, this has been working great. Everyone's following the rules and school's been amazing. And because the classes are smaller, it's very intimate. Let's do it. I will call the, the principal and I'll say, can my, my little uh, kid come on Monday? And they'll say yes. So what am I worried about? And what I'm saying, and this is very prejudiced and very obnoxious, but could the SEC idiots be the guinea pigs and not my ACC? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make one... And I totally get what you're saying. And I only have one, you know, one issue with it. And that is the fact that your neighbor made another choice doesn't make them idiots. No, I never they're said doing, they were. They're looking at the same facts you are. Yep. And, and their risk reward. Look, let's say you have, to, you know, in this case, you have two parents who work. You can't leave the kid home. So either somebody has to quit their job or you have to put them in daycare, which and you're right. how's and that I'm different? I'm very lucky. I can do school. most of my work at home. You're right. You're right. Exactly. So there's a cost benefit here, Right. Your cost benefit is your, and yeah, it's an interruption to have little kids running around needing attention when you're on the air. Uh, but it's oh, also it's a cost benefit if, if somebody has to stay home, whether it's you know the income disruption, maybe they don't, one doesn't make enough to carry the family. You know, I have friends here locally who've got two little kids, elementary school age, and they're like, and the husband's like, man, I got to get out of the house. This is driving me nuts. My wife's a realtor; she had to basically quit, and uh, you know, so that's a it's a big burden. He can squeak by; he makes enough to carry it for a period of time. But not everyone does. And it's a, you know, it's a painful choice to have to make. And that's why you do the math. And, you know, little kids, again, the science is that they're maybe not as susceptible, not as whatever, you know, time will tell, as you said. Um, and the same thing with college football. There's a huge cost and there's a huge benefit to playing. So there's, you know, somebody's got to do the, do the calculus. How do you minimize the, you know, the cost, right? The risk through the protocols and, you know, be able to still, not only you know, support the players to play, which they obviously want to, but also the thousands of people uh, who rely on it. I mean, I, I don't know if you read the mayor of Tuscaloosa said, if we don't have football here, our city is essentially out of business. I know. That they, that's their Christmas. They rely so much on the football money for the, the home games, but that, that drives the entire city. You know, without that, you know, so what's the cost of Tuscaloosa going out of business or whatever the, the fallout? Okay. Uh, you, you read about the, you know, the high school kids uh, but I'd rather hear that. Uh, hold on, hold on. Before you continue, yeah. I'd rather hear that than Ed Orgeron going, "It's our American right. We have to play, and we got to do this." Shut, shut the hell up. Continue. Yeah. Well, 
and or the high school recruits who have no now no winter season or no fall football season the seniors you know uh you know my son's a senior basketball player and looks like you know as of now there's their season be fine, but the whole high summer of senior. club club tournaments you know this big exposure season disappeared now we got to send we got to actually recruit colleges versus the other way around put together videos send them out you know so these huge complications have you know ripple in ways that uh, you know, we haven't really even thought through the end zone yet, right? And Carolina is a, uh, you know, to have that outbreak is like kind of the worst case scenario. That you know, like the first day, boom, you have an outbreak that, you know, couldn't you like get halfway through the season where everyone's committed and then you got to like come up with a fix, not just shut everything down, you know? So uh, just like when baseball started, it limped along, a bunch of games got canceled the first week. Uh, now that, so we're going to see if they can finish that season. It's a long, even a 60 game season, uh, you know, it's a pretty long season to start from game one, right? So, you know, hard to put in a bubble. Well, and we're going to get to the pro sports because they all have their own stories and they're all, they all have all their, their things. But I think the college thing is the most compelling. And yeah, you're, you're right. Um, I, I don't celebrate any of this. Like, I'm not one of those people. And there's been a huge ac- accusation going on around the media that the media wants this all to you know to that so that the NCAA and the colleges get knocked off their high horse and I heard Jay Paterno uh this morning who uh you know with 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 Penn State and they were talking about the impact that no Big Ten is going to have on state college and this is the same state college that I wanted to have the death penalty and I thought I did a lot of research I did a lot of research on what the economic impact would have been I stand by my statement they should have had the death penalty and we, we can get into that later if you, if you want if you want to go there. My point being is if you're telling me that someone's going to try it because there's no governing body, there's no you know the NCAA is useless here. This is all the conferences, and you had to tell me only a, a handful of the Power Five conferences would do it, right? Like it, 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 they would do it. I just don't want it to be my school. Yeah, because I, again, what I don't want to do, I would be mortified right now <laughs> if I found out that there's 130 positive cases on Syracuse campus. And I'm and selfish a, that way. And, I, and fine, the reality is it probably is with so many people being asymptomatic. If you tested all whatever, 20,000 students, I'm sure you're fine. You're going to find some number, whatever it is, 100, 1,000, 5,000. Who knows? Um, and uh you know, I'm, I'm sure there are. If you tested 350 million Americans, there'd be 40 million positive tests, and, uh, and and most people don't know. So it's you know, and that's what makes it so complicated. And because there isn't like a, a clear right way to do it, right? It's 100% compelling on your side of you know, let somebody else be the guinea pig. It's 100% compelling on the other side of you know, I can't you know, it it, it affects you know, exponentially more people who wouldn't have gotten it, but are still, you know, driven out of business, whatever the, you know, whatever you want to call that, or have a penalty. There isn't just a clear answer. So I think the fact that half the schools basically have said yes and half have said no is kind of, you know, how it's working out. And at the end of the day, you now have kind of a controlled study, right? You have the no's, what do they do? And the yes is what, what happens to them, just like you have in the pro sports, which you can talk more about later. But if you think about it, what do the college football players do who aren't playing football? They're not in, they're not going to be in quarantine for the rest of their lives. They're out. If their college is open, they're out in college. If they're home, they're still living their lives. You know, it's, it's, again, it's, 
there, there isn't just like one really clear way to do this. But the, 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 the alarms for young kids, what I can't accept is what Jim Beheim said, which is stupider than stupid, which is nobody under 25 dies from this and no, there are no health impacts. They get sick for a little bit and they're fine. That's not true. And all you have to do is look at the Boston Red Sox pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez, 27 years old. Uh, perfectly healthy, a major league athlete, and now his career may be over because he has an enlarged heart, and that's right. from that that's that's di- that's from COVID. So when you have three hundred pound linemen who are obese just based on the body mass impact uh, index, that's not to say they're not athletes; they are ridiculously high risk. And again, that's football. And if you are a professional football player that's getting paid and you had a chance to opt out, then go for it. That's that's how this is going. And well, I think there's all yeah, I think there's also two college. major yeah, I think there's also two major issues that need to be examined if you really want to get down in the weeds. And that is what are the protocols in place? You know, are they enough to you never ensure, but you know, to give the best, you know, the best shot at a healthy outcome? And are the players following them? And which the second question is more problematic than the first question. Uh, you know, when you hear stories about Liberty not testing anyone, uh, you know, they obviously got, you know, got their asses chewed out and, and now supposedly they're changing that. But, uh, you know, are the protocols enough? You know, the NBA was able to, you know, the, do the extreme version and NHL put players in a bubble, test them daily because, the, you know, the numbers are what they are. And they're, but they don't know, they don't know that they can do that going forward. Like, and, and we haven't talked about that because I don't think it's relevant. But the NHL is not committing to a bubble next year, and neither is right. the NBA. They, can, right. they, they they don't know if they can inspire that. I want to say hey to Caleb and Don uh, and Andrew and everyone else that's been in there um, in the chat and uh, people saying that they like the look. And I love the look. I love the look. And I only put the Syracuse logo in the top right because Danny's here. Uh, and I'll probably leave it there when Aton's here. But, you know, when somebody that's not from Syracuse comes on, and by the way, Mike Waters is supposed to come on in a little bit, and he is there, uh, so we can get him on. Don, stick around for this. You got to watch what's going to happen here. We are going to bring on uh, Mike Waters from Syracuse.com. Watch this. And with that, we welcome in our man, Mike Waters. Mike, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Seth. How are you doing? It's been such a long time. How are you? It's, you remember Danny Shays? He's a big fan of yours. I'm sorry, Mike, is it? <laughs> Dolph? Good to see you, man. <laughs> Dolph. Give me a nice. fist bump. Elbow. What are we doing? What's, what's the protocol? Head bump. Head bump. There we go. How you doing, Danny? I'm great, baby. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, Mike, let's start with this. Um, I have a very serious prejudice when it comes to Syracuse and I saw the North Carolina story and I don't want that happening to my Disneyland. Syracuse is my Disneyland. I, I love it there. That's my place. And I don't want this nonsense. And I want the ACC to go by the way of the big 10. I'm not speaking for Danny. Da- Danny will say his thing. You know, Danny, he's never short of, of words, but I don't want the ACC being the guinea pig. Let the SEC be the guinea pig. Let those goofballs in Alabama and Auburn, let those guys be the guinea pig. Don't make those kids that I like and I root for be the guinea pig. And I will lose money because there's no postgame show. If there's no games, 
but I'd rather that than have what's going on in North Carolina. North Carolina was disturbing when you started hearing reports that they didn't test students prior to their return to campus, which means you didn't catch kids that were already positive with the coronavirus before they came there. Um, so you were just destined to have clusters of outbreaks where you know someone was gonna have it at a sorority party or someone's gonna be in a dorm you know, we all know how dorms are, you know, 40 kids on a floor all sharing a bathroom. Uh, no, no, no amount of mask wearing is going to prevent it once you allow it in. Syracuse University is doing the total opposite um, with requiring students, not just student athletes, students are required to get a COVID test in a seven to 10 day window prior to their arrival on campus. And then they're getting checked in again at their check-in time, at arrival. So you're every that's day- That's if they're in campus housing. If you live on an apartment on Sumner Ave in a house on Sumner Avenue, you don't have to do that. I think you're right. I, I think there is still one test they have to take, but, but you're right. But it's still a lot more than North Carolina is doing for its regular students. And, and this is the stuff that I think the Syracuse football players were hearing about when they wanted to sit out of practice a couple times last week, not so much because they were concerned about what was going on here on their campus, they were worried what other schools were doing, both for the student body at large and also for the other football programs. Uh, it, it really came out last week that Liberty University oh, God. is you was really failing. I'd like to, to punch protocol. in the nose, socially distant. You know, Liberty saying that they were testing their football players if they showed symptoms. When everybody in the free world <laughs> understands that a college age kids walking around with coronavirus, probably not showing symptoms that you, if, especially for your football program, you have to test every single athlete to make sure you don't have an outbreak that's gonna end up affecting coaches, staff, other athletic department personnel, because these football players you can keep them in something of a bubble, but you're going to have other people around them. And I, I think that's where the Syracuse players were worried, and rightfully so. And I, I just don't see us in this country getting a unified approach to this thing at this point because we've had six months to do it and we're not there yet. We're not there, right. And, and, you know, and we still got all these varied attitudes towards it, as you see from the Pac 12 to the SEC. You know, I, well, Mike, I don't Seth know and I were just talking about that exact issue a few minutes ago. I don't know if you heard uh, that there isn't really like a clear cut right answer, right? That the, uh, you know, you can find doctor evidence for both sides. You can find anecdotal evidence for both sides. This works, that works. And so I, I think it's, you know, the reason you have this kind of patchwork of approaches is like I said, there isn't kind of one right answer you know young kids have a different maybe solution than old people or you know school age versus working people and you're in an office or you're indoors or outdoors and you know there's just so many complications uh you know i think that's why and i think it kind of almost has to be that way um you know they, early when they tried to make a national thing they go why should south dakota be the same as new york city you know there's nothing similar about them and uh you know so you know it, it is interesting that, that you know seth and i were just talking about how it's kind of interesting that of the five power conferences, they've evenly split essentially on which way to go. So you almost have this controlled study of, well, we can see how it works if you 
stay home and how it works if you play and what do the kids do to stay home are they are they going to get exposed somewhere else or some other way or you know what happens when you miss your you know your senior season or you know anyway there's just so many complications that uh, you know it almost has to come down to a local decision uh you know based on you know your best guess with your circumstances and i agree you know local's fine and, and if we're fighting the virus and there's not an outbreak in montana they don't have to have the same rules that are set up in New Jersey or New York right. City. Right. But the right. problem that we have in, in athletics, college athletics, is these conferences have gotten so big, Syracuse now finds itself in the same conference as Clemson and Florida State. And so, you know, what's going on in South Carolina might be different than New York, but these kids are now going to be on the fields together. Right. Um, and so you do have to come up with with a solution and an approach that satisfies everybody in different areas of the country. Exactly. And, and well, I guess what I'm saying is that like the ACC is its own ecosystem, right? Yeah. Different than the big 10. Right. So the ACC is not in two States. That's what no, I'm saying. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. So you, you got to come up with protocols that are, that are consistent league wide and do your best. Like I said, I'm not there. This is what makes it so complex. There isn't like a simple answer to this. Right. And, uh, uh, and the cost of not playing is massive. And so you ha it's not just as simple as, well, we just have to do it until nobody ever gets sick because you're, you, know, you have tens of thousands of people relying on these games that aren't going to get sick and they're being, you know, they're being put out of business or they're being bankrupted or put out of their homes if they can't work or earn money. Uh, and the other sports that rely on football. I mean, it's like I said, it's just not as simple as we just have to make sure nobody ever gets sick. There's and, a, and, and there's Danny, a I'm not, I'm not saying this also. is this is an easy thing. What I'm what I'm suggesting is, you have college kids on a college campus, and as much as they're saying they're following all these rules and testing and everything, people go downtown. I mean, they're not telling kids that have cars. Let, let's just use Syracuse as an example, and people who are watching outside of Syracuse. I'm just going there because Mike lives there, Danny went there, and I went there, and we love it there. And that's that's why we're talking about this. But this, you can insert the word North Carolina or Clemson or any of the schools that you're talking about. It, it's all the same. But the argument, from my standpoint, is they're not telling kids that have cars, you can't go downtown to Armory Square if you want. <coughs> and you don't know who they're interacting with. And no one's tell, telling them they can't do it. And these kids are 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and they don't always have the best judgment. And football, and Mike, if I'm saying anything that you're hearing differently, because you, I've read what you've written, and I know you're primarily the basketball guy, so you haven't done all the football stories, but you've been on top of all of this, and I see what you're tweeting, and that's why I reached out to you. But this idea that you can have it and not test positive for up to 10 days, that if it's in your nose and it's not big enough to uh, to to show up on a test, you could be a carrier and no longer no and, and test negative. So if you go into the field, the practice field, and you have it because you went to Armory Square that night and somebody gave it to you there, and suddenly now you're an offensive lineman and you're just doing everything in the world to touch and touch and touch and touch, and now you've spread it. And again, stop me if there's a way to prevent any of this. And this argument that everybody has been saying that, well, this is just the risk that has to be taken, because that's what Cameron Wolf, the Duke doctor who advised John Swafford said, 
well, you can't go on a football field without some modicum of risk, which is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Because, yes, you always have a risk that you're going to break your leg, but not that you're going to infect all your teammates. And that, I, I'm sorry, but that's what's driving me bananas. And I'm not saying I'm the expert. What I'm saying is no one has refuted me. And I want to tell me I'm wrong. But as long as that's the case, for Syracuse to, to put their kids at risk, when they saw Michigan, and I'm sorry, Michigan makes more money than Syracuse, for Michigan to say no, but the greedy orange said yes, offends me. And that bothers me. And if, if the ACC canceled, but the SEC was going, it would still be a topic, but I wouldn't care as much. So, Seth, I will, I will make one comment. I've played in, on teams. Guy comes in with the flu, half the team gets the flu. And so it's not like you don't have situations where guys come in with something. Uh, you know, you this send your kid not to the school. Flu. He, well, it's closer to the flu than Ebola, right? So, you know, everyone's making it out like it's Ebola and everyone's dropping dead. Uh, so, and, um, and again, I'm just, I'm, we're just having a complete conversation here. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, I, I totally get it. And that's why this conversation of risk versus reward gets so complicated because the, you know, the risk is what it is. And in many ways unknown because it's a relatively new thing. The, you know, the, the, you know, the penalty for not playing the reward, right. Um, you know, is more than just greed. I mean, it's real. What, what we found during the shutdown that it's real people who can't make their, their, their mortgage payments or their rent payments. It's real people who can't feed their family, real businesses that go out and go it. under after years and years and years of work to build it. You know, this isn't just a, oh, you're greedy because you want to go to the ball game. You know, it's not that. And it was a huge price to pay. And the, the, the negative price for the people affected on the you don't play side is 100 times the price that you pay on the positive as far as numbers. Now, we can, we can debate, you know, is it life or death? Is it, you know, long-term disability? Is it, you know, Danny, what's the price Danny, of getting If your COVID? son was an offensive guard, if your son was an offensive guard, would you want him would, playing? We'd know what to do. But your, your son's an athlete. If your son was an offensive guard, knowing the culture of what college football is, would you want your son playing offensive guard for the Syracuse Orange this season? The answer is yes, I, I would let him play, although I hope he wouldn't be an offensive guard anyway. He'd be a tight end. But, Not the point. Um, but the point the point is the same. Yes, I would you know, make sure he's healthy. I would make sure he's tested. I would check the protocols, make sure there's some play. If I don't agree with the protocols, no, I wouldn't let him play. But if they have a system in place, and again, that's the decision Mike. that everyone has to make. It doesn't make you an idiot for choosing one side. It doesn't make you, you, know, uh, you know, a scaredy cat for choosing the other side. It's, you, everyone's trying to make their best decision here in an environment where there isn't clear long-term information. So the, you know, a lot of people are, are, are you know, shooting in the dark here. It's, it's just not a, like I said, there isn't a clear cut. This is the best way to do it. Mike? Two things I think um, that, that worry me, and give me, especially one thing that gives me pause is um, we focus all on the athletes, especially the college athletes. And we have to remember there's other people around these kids that make these programs go. And I've talked to a lot of coaches who have let me in on conversations they're having with their wives. And the wives are saying, are you going to have to go in a bubble? You know, are you being safe when you go into the athletic facility, when you go into the complex? Because the wives don't know where the athletes have been over the weekend. And then their husbands are going in 
and into film rooms with them and into small rooms and, and onto the field. And, you know, and so the, the wives, it, you know, this thing can, you know, it can conceivably spread beyond the court and beyond the field. And we have to be worried about those other populations. Um, and then the other thing that worries me about is, you know, as we've all agreed on, there's so much that we don't know about this virus. And yet, if you look at the conferences that don't make a ton of money on football, they've all said we're done. Also, and it's it. like, if you take the they money out of it, it right. the Ivy's done, the Patriots done, the Mac is done, everyone's done. And I get a little worried and I understand the economic concerns that other you know, people's livelihoods are at stake. But when no one with money in the game is saying we'll play, it worries me that we're putting too much importance on fulfilling a TV contract and filling our coffers for one fall of football. And boy, I'd hate to be, I'd hate to be the guy making that call and be wrong. Well, and, and, and just for the record, and Mike, again, tell me if I'm wrong, but I worried and I brought your name up when the Big Ten canceled. And the rumor was the ACC was thinking about doing the same thing. And I said, I worry. And again, I'm just using these names. And I thought of you. If they said no basketball season, you could get furloughed. You could easily get furloughed. You could easily get furloughed. And you saw what happened, Danny. As soon as the the ACC tournament shut down, you and I got taken right off the radio. Right instantly. We were taken. In the middle of a break. And that was a panic. But it happened right away. And this argument, this 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 whole argument from that is I worry about Matt Park. I worry about uh, teachers that uh, that that I worry about teachers that work there. I work. I worry about the SID office. I worry about all those people. And I don't want to see people lose their jobs. I don't. I am. When the Big Ten canceled, my immediate reaction was, oh, my God, that's awful. Didn't mean it wasn't right. It's awful. And what I'm saying is, the when I saw the North Carolina story, I got so scared. And I'm, I'm supposed to be there on the 27th. And Mike, you and I have talked about this for months now. Yeah. I'm supposed to go up there on the 27th. And Onondaga County's done a wonderful job of handling this virus. But you bring in these kids from all over, from Arizona, from Texas, from Florida, from Colorado, from massachusetts from everywhere and there's going to be a big melting pot and these kids are not going to know they have it they're not going to know because they're not going to test positive right away it's not the instant you get it you test positive and they're going to they're co-ed by dorm in that building in that campus co-ed by dorm it was the greatest thing it made me pick syracuse over northwestern co-ed by dorm that means there's girls across the hall there's girls to the left there's girls to the right it was the greatest thing in the world and there's no social distancing going on on that mount olympus i don't care what anybody's saying and it's just that is so alarming and you know mike i i you tweeted the story i don't think you wrote the story but you wrote the story somebody wrote the story about 14 days they had to quarantine the kids had to with no air conditioning Yet they're all in a dorm, and no one said if it's a men's dorm or a women's dorm, and I guarantee you they're all doing each other. I, I'm, I'm, they're doing it. So if, if one, guy has it, one guy has it, he's giving it to somebody else. 
And it's it's not a an if, it's a when. And that that is alarming. And to me, the, the, if you told me that the SEC is saying, you know, we'll go down with the ship and we're playing, I say, okay, I'll watch and I'll, and I'll, and I'll take an objective viewpoint, but not when it comes to these kids. I, first, Mike, then Danny, what did you make of Jim Beheim's comments when he went on, I think it was SiriusXM or one of their 700 channels that nobody listens to, that when when Jim Beheim went on SiriusXM and says nobody under twenty five died from this, so what is everybody worried about? And I'm first of all, yeah, normally Jim is very reasoned and reasonable about things like this. Uh, to say that nobody under the age of twenty five has died from it is obviously patently yeah. wrong. Um, so you know, let's please not go there with with this debate. Um. I know the basketball coaches feel like with more time that they have a chance and a much better chance than football of, of being able to play. They, they work with smaller rosters. Uh, many leagues, it's bus trips only. Other leagues like the ACC, Syracuse, they're on chartered aircraft. They don't go through an airport. They don't get on commercial flights. They can stay in a virtual bubble. And there's a lot of coaches that are already looking ahead and saying, if we have to push back the start of the season from November 10th to the weekend after Thanksgiving, when many colleges at that point have already said, the students will not return to campus after Thanksgiving break. They're gonna go, instead of returning, they're gonna stay home. They'll have their last week or two of the fall semester online and then take their finals. The basketball players can be in a virtual bubble on their campuses at that point and it's not a situation like in the fall with football, like if students were all sent home and the football players remain, where that's, you know, kind of a, like you force the students off the of campus. At this point, basically everyone's gone. It's from Thanksgiving until the second week of January, you've got an opportunity to play a lot of games. You could even move conference games into that window. And again, you buy yourself even more time for the nation to get this virus under control and you just give yourself a chance. I think a lot of basketball coaches are really, you know, putting a, a lot of stock in this idea and this, this, this theory. And I think it was first put out there by Seton Hall coach, Kevin Willard, that let's start playing right after Thanksgiving. And because the bubble has been proven to work by both the NHL and the NBA. Agreed. It's just not as easy to put college kids in a bubble, especially football players and, you know, then how do you work right. it on a campus for basketball? But basketball, basketball makes a little bit more sense because you have a it's, chance. It's more manageable. Yes, you, you would think you have a chance. And then I've seen other coaches say, "Well, then after Jan, you know, second week of January, let's move a conference into a bubble." Again, if students are going to be taking courses online, who cares whether the Syracuse players are in Syracuse or whether they're in a bubble in Greensboro, North Carolina, with every right. other ACC team? or Montana or, or Maine or Nebraska. Wherever you want to go, where, baby, where, where wherever we can play basketball. And, 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 Disney, and World, Disney World's open. <laughs> if they'll let me the, in, the, I'll cover it. No, no, the NBA, the NBA will have left. So the, 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 the let, let's go. And I'm they there. Can do the NCAA tournament like that, because let's face it, yep. after one weekend, it divides in half, which is the NBA model and the NHL for that matter, is every 10 days, the whole risk divides in half because it's playoffs. They're not talking about that for a regular season. It's impossible for the regular season. Again, the tournament absolutely could do it. 
the basketball tournament this past summer proved that it was done. Proved. They showed they what a bubble could do. Yeah. yeah, they proved what a bubble could do before the NBA even started. So, yeah, bubbles work. Can you create a lot of mini bubbles around the country for basketball to work? Um, it might be able, you might be able to. Um, you might have well, to. Get to work on it. Like, not you, but, oh. but like, you've had six months. Like, get to work on this. Jay Mariotti was on this show uh, a week ago, and we talked about a fictional NFL bubble. And I said, divide it into quadrants. That's where I got Montana from. I said, Montana, Nebraska, Idaho, and Maine. Those are my four quadrants for the NFL. And he goes, well, that would take months to set up. I go, what have you had? You've had yeah. months. So I hope that for basketball, they have a, they, a, a, a team designated to, don't worry about this football nonsense, come up with a plan. I hear you. And, uh, and you know, don't let Jim Beheim make any of the how decisions. Much football the NCAA doesn't run football. It's been, you know, shown over the past couple of weeks. The conferences all do whatever they want. They run the championship. The NCAA does not for, for football. Basketball, the NCAA runs that tournament. Dan Gavitt, the senior VP for basketball at the NCAA, has so much more power in his sport than anybody does for football. I think all of that gives basketball a chance, a fighting chance to actually devise a plan and have everybody get on board. Uh, Pete Thamel, who, you know, a Syracuse oh. guy. Uh, am I saying, do I say his name right? Is that no. it? Thamel. Thamel, Thamel, tomato, tomato, whatever. Pete Thamel. He's, he's awesome. He's fantastic. I, know, I like him. I know him. I, I just, I, you know, when you talk to somebody, unless you're introducing them to a radio show, I, why would I call anybody by your name? I used to root for a guy that had a, a symbol for a name. And you never said, hey, you, get over here. Like, you never did that. Um, he said that the ACC had a meeting and there's no news because they're still planning forward. Do you think, and this is just a prediction, not should, do you think the ACC changes their mind between now and September 12th? That's tough. Um, no, I, I think they're going to try to give this a shot. It, it's going to look a little bit odd and you're going to, you're going to get into the issue of are these student athletes actually student athletes? Or are they employees? And we need to talk about name, image, and likeness and stuff. If you're making the football players play while you're sending the rest of the student body home, and I've already seen today a whole bunch of college athletes or former college athletes, North Carolina basketball players, Armando Bacot and Garrison Brooks have both sent out tweets kind of going employees. So, you know, right. you're going to have you're to sending all the students pitch. in North Carolina home and you keep those kids, uh, the football players up there. That's that that's uh, kidnapping. Except well, it depends you know, on the what they have the play. opt-out options, right? If they can opt out, get another year of eligibility. But like, if you're saying you the student body can't be on this campus, but you can, that's that's being single. He's being singled out. You're actually making him a safer because you're getting rid of a lot of the problems with right. the twenty thousand kids going to right. frat parties. That's, no, that's that's fair. Danny said that. And now you're in too. a bubble again. But you will have to cross that bridge into name, image, and likeness land. Yeah. If you're, you're a university to. president. Well, and again, if the, if they if the players aren't playing, what are they doing? Are they safer not playing? Okay, they're not banging into each other, but does that mean they're going to not go to parties and not 
date and not go to bars and not, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's again, not as black and white as well. If they're playing, it's dangerous. If they're not playing, it's safe. Uh, right. And, and again, there, that's why this, you know, there's so many gray areas depending, uh, you know, every issue, you know, there isn't, like I said, there isn't a clear cut, you know, A versus B. It's like sliding, it's all, it's all sliding scale of, you know, how many protections can you put in? How many ways can you control the behavior? How many ways can you, you know, isolate them from here? How many ways can you test them versus you don't play? You know, how can you do all those things? If you don't play, how many people go broke? How many people uh, of other sports don't get funded? You know, I, I think it was one of the Pac-12 schools already canceled. I forget if it was UCLA or one of those already canceled like 10 sports. Uh, you know, what about their, you know, their scholarships are being honored, but you know, they don't, you know, for most athletes, the vast 90 plus percent, this is the farthest they're going. This is it. You know, they don't get that back. And, and like I said, it's, I'm not saying what the answer is. I'm just saying that we really have to be clear that there's a real cost and benefit here and, and who's really in charge of making that, doing that calculus, you know, in, in football, it's the conferences, uh, you know, for the players, their ultimate safety is to have the control of saying, do I have an opt-out option uh, like the pros do? And, uh, you know, cause clearly the guy who runs the, you know, the bar on campus doesn't have an opt-out option. He's, he's got to run his business and show up every day. And uh, I don't think he has two years worth of cash flow sitting in his pocket. Uh, that he can say, I'll just shut down for two years or a year, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, so it's, like I said, incredibly complicated. And that's why you're seeing so much of kind of these 50-50 decisions, why it is so polarized, because there just isn't, a, it's not greed versus safety. You know, it's just not that, you know, not that simple. And, uh, and like, said, as you said, Seth, I'm glad I'm not the guy making the decision. Um, Mike, we, we appreciate your time, like a hundredfold. Um, have you enjoyed last question? Have you enjoyed the plethora of sports that are suddenly now on your television? Cause there's like 7,000 games on. And the reason I'm asking that, and I said this to the audience, when I watch an NHL playoff game, which the NHL playoffs have been out of this world. And last night watching the NBA playoffs for the first time, I got that feel as well that those are literally hours that I can spend not thinking about COVID-19. Like, I don't think about it. Yet, when I watch a baseball game, that is literally all I think about. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think about that guy's not doing this right, and this guy's an idiot, and this no one's sitting behind the dugout. They're all sitting in the dugout. And, I, like, I, I, I find myself not watching baseball because the other sports are out there. And this was my whole argument about shutting the baseball season down because I thought baseball had bigger problems. They have a collective bargaining agreement that expires and they need to work on that. And they're not because they're doing this hodgepodge nonsense and they're going to cry poverty and it's going to get worse. And if you think people were mad when there were no sports, imagine next summer when there's no baseball and we're, we're, we're allowing fans in stands and they're out because of a strike. Just, you think there's venom now? Just watch. And the baseball thing's hodgepodge, but have you been receiving the 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 joy that sports were supposed to bring that during the whole pandemic when everybody was dying for something to watch and now your cup runneth over you know at first when sports started coming back on i felt a little guilty almost uh to enjoy them that i knew there were still you know large segments of the country that were 
you know, being hit hard by the pandemic and people were still feeling this uh, both physically, medically and economically. And I, I would feel a little guilty, but I got to tell you, yesterday when the NBA playoffs started, and I think the first game tipped off at about one o'clock, and it's, I felt like it was like the first day of the NCAA tournament. It feels when the like game that, right? started at noon, and I was so pumped up. And I'm a college basketball guy. I watched the NBA a little bit, but I I was I was raised on college campuses my entire youth. Of course. Um, so I've always gravitated to the college game. But I yesterday, yes, I was into those NBA playoffs games. Um, I have watched more hockey than I ever would have before. The hockey playoffs have been so good. When I want when I and when the conversation rolls around the college football, and then obviously I start to have some hesitancy or trepidation about it. It's only because after seeing these other sports and my love for them starts to churn um, that I just hope we don't go back too fast or make a mistake here this fall that screws things up for us college basketball fans in the winter. I'm like, listen, if we have to shut down football or if we just have to be careful, whatever we have to do so that I'm getting to watch college basketball this winter, that's what I'll do. Now, if they can make it happen and basketball can learn, fine. But yes, uh, short answer to your question. I've had a lot of fun watching sports as they've come back sort of online, you know, in their bubbles. And and yeah, to, to see guys, you know, just to keep it Syracuse oriented here, to see guys like Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony, yeah. you know, playing for the Trailblazers and they make it into the playoffs and, and Jeremy Grant's playing great for the Nuggets and you know, Dion Waiters has a role with the Lakers. Um, it's crazy. You know, it, it, it is. It's fun. It's crazy. But, you know, I would just, I, you know, I, I just hope we can keep this going. And that's why, yeah, I'm like, okay, let's proceed. But let's proceed with an abundance of caution. Mike, I, I appreciate this. Thank you for doing this. And uh, just stay safe. And I, I'll, I'm going to hit you up when I come up there because – uh, I've seen pictures of teachers wearing face shields and masks. And if that's the case, I'm wearing sunglasses because if I'm going to look like a stormtrooper, I'm going full on. <laughs> All right. So now we know Seth will be one of the ones walking around campus in a stormtrooper outfit. Uh, it's been good talking to you guys, Seth. Danny, Danny Shea is one of the best lacrosse players in Jamesville DeWitt High School history. There you go. I wouldn't go quite that far, but still, yeah, but I had my moments. <laughs> the biggest? I had my moments. The biggest lacrosse player in James Wilderman. I'll give you that one. I I was tough to stop, that's for sure. By an absolute long shot. We'll see you, Mike. All right, fellas. Good to see you. Thanks, Mike. Yes, sir. All right. Now, watch this, folks. This is how now Mike's going to go, and that's very nice, and we, we appreciate that. And now, watch this. Just like that, we are back to this screen. How about that? How great is that? Uh, Jim says, maybe go full hazmat suit. Um, how is it college basketball is suggesting bubbles to play, but yet football can't do the same thing? I just think it's a volume. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I just think you could do it for basketball. I, I think you could do it for basketball, and I would think you could do it for women's basketball. But the the cost, I mean, basically you'd have to double the cost because you would double the amount of people, and you'd have to have two separate bubbles, but – Basketball seems doable. Um, football just seems like too, too much. Like just way too, way too much. 
Well, I mean, the yeah, the roster for football is what you know, seven or eight times, you know, hundred plus uh, compared to you know, twelve to fifteen, depending on number of walk-ons. Uh, you know, plus the equipment logistics, you know, cleaning out all the equipment all the time. You know, just it's not just throwing you know throwing uniforms in the washer, right? Uh, I don't see linemen running over to the sideline getting hand gel, you know, between every series. Um, uh, you know, so there is there is a lot more to it, and again. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing. Now, the question is, uh, you know, as you go through the season, since football generates so much more revenue, there's also, you know, the cost of not having it is that much higher, uh, you know, talking about it, you know, in, in the big picture for some of these major conferences. So, um, it is complicated. I, I don't know that football works as well, uh, like you said, in a bubble because the games themselves are so, uh, you know, so impacted, uh, playing football without fans. Uh, you know, w w which is the bigger missing? You know, no fans in a basketball game or no fans in a football game. You know, tough to, you know, tough to figure that one out as well. I mean, you could offset costs. Jim has a good suggestion. You could offset costs and uh, trim the roster down to sixty-five. You could. Uh, you could uh, again. My my thing. My my thing is, one day we saw North Carolina, and everything scared me with North Carolina and. It just seems like it's going to be the exact same. And, it, and if it's the same thing, and I just don't want it in my school, I don't want it. And I understand the money. I'm not discounting the money, but I don't know how you do it. I don't know how the NFL does it. I told you that off the air when I talked to you yesterday. I don't know how the NFL is doing it. I'm not sure. And I think the NFL, this is what I did this morning. And I just want to add this. Um, so I cover the Jets for Sports Illustrated. And so what that entails is I sit in this exact seat and I watch these Zooms. And I saw the coach and I saw three or four players and two assistant coaches. Like, we were on Zoom for, like, hours. And my argument um, has been they're going to go to the stadium. Listen to this. They're going to go to the stadium and they're going to do a scrimmage. And because of a bunch of injuries – they don't know the date. And I think the non-preseason games is one of the dumbest decisions they have made because what they need to practice on field, there is so much to practice. Right. And to put a team together and not have them scrimmage against someone else is not fair to them. And it's a huge mistake. But also, I think they need to practice travel. I think they need to practice. What are you doing? How are you doing this? Are you going early so that everybody gets there and isolates? Or are you going the day of? Are you going to make that decision depending on your distance? Like, you know, for example, the Bears playing the Green Bay Packers, they're going to go maybe the night before or, or maybe day of. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. My point being is that they're not prepared and I don't know how they're doing this. And every player is coming and going as they wish. And it seems like everything's fine. It seems like everything's fine in the NFL. And I don't know how they're doing it. And I don't know. But I'm not saying the NFL can't go because the NFL is like baseball. If you're dumb enough to try this, go for it. Like, go for it. I mean, you want to talk about the Cleveland Indians? They're ridiculous. The game with the Cincinnati Reds today was canceled. Uh, they're going to try to play a doubleheader tomorrow. They try. 
But now you're talking about four or five games there. The Marlins lost 18 games. And, I mean, it it compromises your competition. And if that Marlins thing, I mean, the Cardinals are a pretty big franchise to be out. They have to play 50 games in 40 days. I mean, so their competition's compromised. I don't know how the NFL's doing this. I do not know. But I'm my, my argument is college and pro are so different. And I think all of your analysis makes sense for pro. It makes sense for the NFL. I don't see it the same way for college because these kids, you, you, you've given them these scholarships and it's like you own them. And I hate that phrase, but that's what it feels like. And yeah, you could opt out, but you know what does it do to your future? And you, you said it yourself. You, so the pressure on these kids just to do it so that they finish. And these guys are not going to the pros. None of these guys are going to the pros. I just think that's unfair. It's well, unfair in some ways, ways. You, yeah, in some ways it almost makes the college game, you talk about the different pressures, right? In some ways, the college game even has more pressure to play because most of the players aren't going anywhere because, you know, there's such a thing. Now, here's the thing with football that's way different than, you know, basketball and certainly baseball, the exact thing you mentioned, the jamming in of games for baseball. You know, football plays once a week, whatever, three times a month. I don't know if they're going to still do the buys kind of thing. It's not really. And it's a so, condensed season. I think you have one bye week. Yeah. So so they play one game a week, uh, which, you know, allows a whole different testing protocol as far as before the game, right? Before you get on that plane, boom, everybody gets tested. They've got two days to figure it out. Uh, you know, so from that standpoint, it actually works for the players. And for the, you know, however you want to call the, you know, the bubble or whatever they're going to you know, play in, because the games are so spread out, you don't have like the situation of baseball, two guys get sick well, I, you know, a day before where you're screwed because you can't replace them and then that, you know, impact five games in a row. And, uh, you know, so in some ways, the football schedule kind of naturally lends itself, uh, you know, to this kind of protocol. Again, another of these complicating gray area issues, uh, you know, that, that make football in some ways easier to manage from a testing standpoint uh you know as mike talked about the the travel charter you don't have to go into airports um you know so all these factors you know all are you know plus here a minus there a complication here it's um again you know when you add it all up you know they're they're all all so different number one uh but i'll have you know so many different gray pluses and minuses uh you know really hard to make a clear decision you know some point you do the best you can and and you put it out there and, you know, the players themselves say they want to play, uh, you know, again, how much is that because their careers are short, most of them aren't going pro or if the ones that are going pro have to, you know, get seen for the draft. You see in basketball right now, the kids who played last year with no NCAA tournament, with no summer leagues, with no, you know, the draft being pushed back, you know, they're working out on their own for eight months before the draft and, you know, who knows where they're going to end up. So, uh, again, all these things just kind of get in the way. There's no real way to say, is it helping this guy, hurting that guy? It's, uh, you know, it's a real crapshoot. I don't know. Um, and I said, you know, I, I've said this before. When I watch um, the NBA or the NHL, and more the NHL, I, I, I've said this before, I think the NHL wins the return award. They came back the best. Um, from from the change in their venues because their original venues were Columbus or Pittsburgh and Vegas. And they said, Nope, you are 
out of you're out of control. You can't be trusted. And Gary Bettman, who I've known Gary Bettman for 15 years, and I never I don't think I've ever talked politics with him, but I could have sworn he's a Republican. And he not that that makes a difference, but I could have sworn. And he basically, without saying it, said a big old F you to America and said, you guys can't be trusted. I'm going to Canada. And the bubbles look gorgeous. I mean, and the arena presentation looks incredible. And what they've done is these custom-made tarps over the stands. And I'm not saying that they look... I'm not saying I want that permanent. I'd rather have fans. But it it looks like it belongs. It doesn't look like a fish out of water. Like, what the hell is that? It doesn't look like teddy bears in left field in Oakland. or, Or some of the other goofball things, you know... And again, I don't mind the cartoon fans and the cardboard fans, and I don't care if you want to put your dogs out there. And All those things are fine. Honestly, all those things are fine. My argument has been, um, if you can... If you can put me in a position where I know that everybody tested is clear, and no one's going out of that isolation, like, Danny, I don't know if you heard this, if you are caught out of the bubble, your team loses a draft pick. Like, they don't screw around. Like, that is that is hardcore. And I love it because when the game starts, I'm not thinking. I don't think about where are the announcers. I don't think about who's not in. What I wish is they could put more signage on the ice for the home team. And I want that for the NBA, too. And I've told you that. I just, like, I want to, I want to discern you know who's the home team but at least in hockey they got rid of third jerseys so it, you know the team that's in dark is the home team and you kind of see that and when the when the puck is in the ends you don't even know that they're in a bubble you don't you're not even reminded i i think the the show has been the presentation has been brilliant and what the N- nhl did that i like better than the nba and the nba couldn't do this because of competition and i want to ask you about that because the NBA had no choice but to extend its regular season. And if you were in striking distance of the playoffs, you were invited to the bubble. Right. The Washington Wizards were never going to make it. Like, they, they, were, they were never going to make it. But you played regular season games. And in my argument, and I've said this to you on the radio, is the NBA does not value its regular season because – most of it was pretty decided. Not all of it. Phoenix was definitely not. But my my problem is, is that when Milwaukee's playing Brooklyn and there's nothing to play for, Giannis took the game off. And I didn't mind it. I'm not picking on Giannis, and I don't mind when LeBron sits. I, that, I'm not having that argument. But in hockey, you went immediately into playoffs. You went to, you had 9, 10, 11, 12, play five six seven eight in a best of five and from the first second you dropped the puck they were fighting like it's the playoffs and it's been amazing and the intensity and you they don't care because everything's the playoffs so now i'll say that i'll give the nba a fairer shot now even though Atan and i went through all the first round matchups and there's like maybe one that we don't know who's gonna win yeah and i hate that well, I think the other part with coming back is that they're essentially the rest the end of the regular season was kind of like preseason, right? They, everyone had to get back in shape, get their teams put together. You know, some guys 
you know, they ended the season with a guy injured who all of a sudden, because they had three extra months, he's not injured anymore. And um, so I don't mind that they had that kind of, uh, you know, the last 10 games of the season thing uh, to get right into the playoffs. And I thought that, you know, kind of the play-in thing, um, you know, gave it a different element. So I can I can absolutely see both, uh, both areas. You know, one conference was less, uh, you know, at, uh, up in the air than the other, right? You know, West had more teams that were close, so they ended up with, you know, more teams in the bubble. So, uh, you know, so I don't mind that part of it. The, the only, probably the only issue I have with the NBA is, as you talk about the presentation, it looks more like summer league than yeah. NBA arenas. And uh, to me, that's kind of the only issue. Clearly, they have to do it this way. But as you mentioned, you can identify the courts better. You can, uh, you know, make the you know the home teams in white. You know, because you know, now yeah, they're switching the so jerseys, much. and I hate that. You can't tell by looking at the jerseys who's the home team anymore. Yeah. And I, I guess I, if every game's on a neutral court, does it? I mean, the home team is just a name only. But that, right? but that's There's the point. Court. Is that is that if you you superimpose a logo on the side of the court. So do it in the middle. Take that NBA logo out and put the Milwaukee Bucks or the Phoenix Sun, whoever the home team is, put them in there and just make it and say, can you do me a favor for the next three months? Home teams wear white and the, and the road teams wear dark and just pretend. And I don't mind the thing with the names. And if you want to go there, we can go there. And the, the, I, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is I don't know who the home team is and I don't know if I care about that game. And that game has not been that, – that game has not – like, it's just such – the competitive balance in the NBA is the, is the worst. It, it's the worst in sports. Well, the, I mean, the, 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 the performances have been spectacular. I mean, you've sure. seen players come back and, you know, just have massive games. I'm, I'm surprised how many overtime games there are, how many games are going down to, you know, one point. Uh, it seems like every game is an overtime. I mean, it's uh, – uh, you know, it's been remarkable that way. I think the level of competition, you know, the energy and the effort – uh, you know, has been spectacular. It seems, like I said, they're almost like playing, you know, the opening of the All-Star game where they, you know, it's all sh- show in production and, you know, and then a game breaks out. But like I said, I can't fault at all the, you know, the players and the effort and the, and the, and the competition and the, and the, and the performances that, that these guys are putting out. I mean, that's, you know, that's been terrific. And, um, uh, you know, there's the other stuff, right? There's the, you know, the social justice element of it that, uh, you know, you pick your side, you know, is it, is it too much? Is it not enough? Is it, uh, you know, misplaced or, you know, whatever. So you can, you know, totally separate conversation, but I've been very pleased with, you know, the, the level of performance. And I think that's what really makes it a compelling uh, TV. It's almost, you know, you, you know, as Mike talked about, it was almost like Christmas day where you have, you know, a quadruple header uh, of games, uh, games the other day. And ironically on a Monday, that's not Martin Luther King day. Right. So, Right. Um, oh, it's wild. Games are on constantly, and it's it's great, and it, it it's been good. I think the announcers who are not there, I don't think you know. I don't feel like you know. It hasn't bothered me. It, it really hasn't. I it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me in the slightest. I've enjoyed it. Like I said, make the NBA games count a little more. That's that's so all. Let me let me ask, let me ask you that, and I and I totally get that. The regular season is you know is what it is, and. You know, the only solution is to expand the playoffs, right? Bring more teams in it, which I don't think that's... No, really I, I don't want that. I just want more good teams. Yeah. <laughs> because in, so in, the NHL, in the NHL, if you're playing the 3-6 matchup, both those teams think they can win the Stanley Cup. Well, the NHL, I mean, what's different about it is that it's, you know, the scoring is so, I don't want to say random, but each goal is so 
magnified and each goal can change the entire outcome. And so many of them happen just on happening. Right. Well, and a hot goalie can steal a game and, and there's no, it can steal a series. But the difference there is the nine, 10, 11, 12 teams that were in that, that round, that, that play in round or whatever they called it. Honestly, I'm being completely honest. Those teams are, are most of them are good. And right. my team, which I didn't think was awful, I'm being honest. My team's not my team, the New Jersey Devils, they're not awful. They missed the bubble by two points. They lost to Pittsburgh the day before Rudy Gobert tested positive, and they didn't know that that was a, a, a pivotal loss. Oh, <laughs> they didn't know. Exactly. <laughs> so so let me so let me ask you this question. And, and these are all the things that come out of it, right? So in, in the real world, everybody's staying home doing Zoom meetings instead of traveling around and being on site. What if you find out that that's better? Why do I want to leave my house? I can do all this from home. I don't have to go into the office. Right? What if you find out that announcers don't really have to be at the game? I, I, I see that coming. The reporters can stay at home and, and they put the guy up on stage with a camera and he does. Well, but the job that the journalist job has gotten harder because if I want to talk about something with a player, I can go up to said player and say, Hey, you got two seconds and we can talk privately. And now if we want a one-on-one for SI, I have to send a formal request and a separate zoom link has to be created. Right. And that's a pain in the ass. So that's, I mean, that's that part not the same. Sure. That's not the but same. Right, again, the cost benefit of, Correct. You know, travel. Well, what I don't games. understand is the the baseball. They are making all the players do all the players and managers do Zoom. Why are these guys there? And some TV reporter, this guy Otis, uh, he came over to me and he he you know on on Zoom and he said, um, "Have you been to a baseball game yet?" And I I have the credential form. I haven't. And they said, "Well, why not?" I said, "What am I going there for? What do I need to see?" I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't see the value in that. If now, if you're telling me that I can get a one-on-one with Don Mattingly, I'm there, but I can't. Yeah, and, 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 and if the Marlins are going to set me up with Don Mattingly for 10 minutes for my podcast, I can do that from here. That, again, that's the point. So, you know, what but happens that, when all that, these That's things- what I'm saying that that element has been taken away and the journalist, and if you, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a lot less breaking stories. Well, You're not become, hearing about players bitching as much, especially in the NBA where the players talk all the time. Right. Like they're, you know, Wojowski and um, and Shams Sharania and those guys, like they're relying on texts because right. they've had years of of building that up. Nobody else can. You know, no nobody else can. There, I understand where you're going. In certain aspects, yes. I think the movie industry is going to be forever changed. I don't know what movie is coming out that I need to be in a movie theater for. And the only movie I can think of is Wonder Woman 1984 because I'm dying to see that movie. I'm dying to see that movie, but if you told me it's on demand, and um, I don't know if you saw the, what's the movie, the $30 movie? Oh, Mulan. Did you see that? Yeah. Mulan, they're saying you have to have Disney Plus, which we have, but you have to pay $30 on top. And I that's not worth it to me. Not if right. I could wait six weeks and I'll see it on Disney Plus regular. Yeah, is there, is there other stuff to watch, right? I mean, it's... Uh, plenty. I can't get through everything. 
Uh, right. Linda Carter. Jim writes Linda Carter. Uh, Linda Carter follows me on Twitter. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why, but I got a. I got a form. You know how you get an alert when somebody follows you on Twitter, and sure. it said Linda Carter, and it had the little verified, and I went Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. You want to hear a great uh, Linda Carter story? Sure, and I hope you tweeted her and said, "Hey, thanks for following. I I'm did. a big fan." I did. I said, "Thank you so much," and I want to get her on the Hall of Justice podcast. And I, it's not happening. She hasn't. She hasn't said yes to that. Um, Linda Carter, you know, the first season of the Wonder Woman TV show, uh, they set it in World War II. Okay. Then they said that's too expensive, so they brought her to. They brought her to um, um, the present day, which was 1977, right? And what they wrote in the storyline was that Diana went to the island, and she stayed on the island. She doesn't age, and she, you know she comes in, and now she's in 1977. And Lyle Wagner, who had just just passed away, and I heard this story years ago, but I, it was retold when he died. Um, Lyle Wagner was under contract. And he played Steve Trevor, who Chris Pine plays in the movie. And Steve Trevor is the love interest of Diana Prince. So they wrote it that since World War II was in the 40s, um, and this is in the 1970s, this can't be Steve Trevor. This is Steve Trevor's son. And Linda Carter said two things. Two things in the interview that I still can't get over. Number one, she said they went out of their way to take any romantic notion between her and Steve out because it's the son and that's icky. Right. Right. And then later in the documentary, she was asked about all the teenage boys that had her poster in that outfit on their walls. And she didn't like that. She doesn't want to she know. She like the question she, or didn't like that the poster? She doesn't like that men were, you know. She didn't like that. And I just said, what? And Carrie Fisher was really funny because the late Carrie Fisher, uh, she's been asked that for years. You know, the Princess Leia in the bikini there. Yeah. And she's been asked that. And people, she said that her greatest thrill, she goes to Comic-Cons and people will go, I loved you when I was a kid. I loved you three or four times a day. Yeah. And like, that's a great line. And that's funny. And Linda Carter was very, very conservative. And I'm I, again, I'm not judging her, but she didn't like that. She was in that outfit and she didn't like that. Men thought that was amazing. Hmm. That was kind of the point. Right. Very interesting. So anyway, that's my Linda Carter story. That's all. That's yeah. all I got. Um, well, she lives here in Phoenix, you know. So next time you come out to visit, well, we go, you know, maybe we can have lunch. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Andrew says, uh, Steve Trevor's son in the present day. Yes. Steve Trevor's son in the present day. And my theory is that's how Chris Pine is in Wonder Woman 1984. Because if you saw the first Wonder Woman movie, Chris Pine dies. And uh -huh. he dies. And it's a comic book. So if he dies, you must stay dead. Because you know that happens. Could be a clone, right? The, Could I thought be a clone. clone would make more I've heard sense. all the theory. We did a podcast, a, fun, a really fun podcast uh, called 
wh- how the hell is Chris Pine in Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four? And we did a whole and we had all these th- we read all the theories we went online and we surfed out all the theories. So that movie I want to see, and if that movie was thirty dollars, I'd pay thirty dollars. But I don't know if I want to go to a movie theater. Would you? Not to see Wonder Woman eighty four. Like, would, if there was a movie you needed to see, would you go? Yeah, I'd go, and I'd you know sit in the back row away from people, so that I'm breathing on them, not the other way around. Wear a mask, and you know, yeah, I think I I, I think you can handle it safely. Yeah, I just I, I don't know, like the the um, the trolls movie, and my kids are a little older than trolls, so that didn't really uh, resonate with them. But we didn't have any interest in that. I mean, there's some great content that just is out. You know, if you, I can, I can read. You know, my Netflix timeline and my Hulu and Amazon Prime, and I mean, there's countless amazing shows going on. And even though production has stopped, it has. Um, there's such a plethora of stuff still out there. But there's going right. to come a time when they run out of stuff, unless they start filming things soon. I don't know how they're doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, reality is, is there a time that they're going to run out of stuff? I mean, there's how many tens of thousands of movies are already produced? How many zillions of TV shows you've never seen that you might say, hmm, maybe I'll watch MASH. Maybe I'll, I never did see Cheer. I never got into Cheers, whatever. Right. Oh, I, I, I totally recommend it. Uh, my wife watched um, Gilmore Girls. I never seen that, but I like Carol King and she does the theme song and I heard the theme song seven times a day because it was right. always on the I've always seen the first three episodes, the first three seasons of The Walking Dead. Are they still doing it? Uh, no, yeah. there's a, yeah, Etan's watching that now. He's re- with his children. Right. His older children, not his baby. <laughs> but yeah. um, The Walking Dead, he's been watching The Walking Dead. I suggested to my wife uh, Mad Men. I, I love Mad Men. I thought that was great. You know, my son's a high school senior, and we're talking about all these 80s movies he's, he never saw. He never saw, like, you The know, Breakfast Club. Some of the silly ones, you know, Porky's or, you know, some of that. Uh, Animal House and, uh, you know, but just some of these old action movies that, you know, you never saw, you know, some of the old Schwarzenegger movies or, you know, Rambo or, you know, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's still plenty to catch up on before, uh, you know, before I'm waiting for Mission Impossible 7 to come out. <laughs> um, Although top, the, the new Top Gun, the, the Maverick one. Yeah, that looks yeah, that, good. That, that one I'd good. go see. Yeah. Uh, okay. Andrew says, I failed to complete my thought. In the first Wonder Woman, we saw the plane explode, but we never saw Steve Trevor's body. In fiction, there's no body. Anything's possible. Correct. Um, there's been thoughts that the Chris Pine in the sequel is actually the Martian Manhunter. I am going right over Danny's head. Um, <laughs> I, can f- I can feel that. Um, uh, what's it called? There's a theory. Uh, so the theory that he, you know it's a shapeshifter and he's 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 pretending to be. Uh, Chris Pine um, my theory because Patty Jenkins the director did a lot of homages to Linda Carter and she did a lot of homages to the first Superman movie there's a scene in the first Wonder Woman movie a brilliant scene that is literally a carbon copy of the scene when Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder are in that alley and they get mugged and there's a scene where the guy pulls a gun and right. you know he and he reaches out his hand to catch the bullet and she reaches out because she has the bracelet and it's it's literally frame by frame. It's an homage, and it's beautiful. Um, and it doesn't change the plot. It doesn't make it any hit less hip. And not everybody got that, but 
comic book fans, like I got it in a second. Like when they're walking and she he's got she's got the fedora hat on, and I said, "Oh my god, that's that, that's the alley. It's it's the same thing." And I don't see I don't see that. I there's all kinds of theories on where 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 she's coming and like I said, we did a whole podcast on the theories. But my theory is, since she loved Linda Carter so much, the Wonder Woman movie takes place in World War One, not World War Two, and it couldn't be her his son, but it could be the grandson. Could Chris Pine be the grandson? And the trailer kind of kiboshes that because the trailer he's like. Uh, he's like, uh, Diana, that's a garbage can. <laughs> and like, she doesn't know what a garbage can is. And like, why would, I, I don't know. It just, it makes it sound like they know each other. So it's him. And I don't know how. Funny. So they, well, you know, we, we, time will tell. Then we'll, uh, we shall see. We'll see. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, as far as baseball is concerned, there's a, um, there's one thing that happened yesterday that I don't know what people are complaining about. I, I don't know why this is a big deal, but um, it's fun. And a lot of people wrote on social media that said they woke up and this was trending on their timelines, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And it's the Fernando Tatis last night. And Fernando Tatis uh, of the Padres, the Padres had this massive lead. I think it was 7 nothing or something like that. I saw the highlight. I didn't see it live because we had the – the convention, which I want to ask you about the conventions, because talk about getting overshadowed by sports. Oh, my God. Right. Um, but the conventions are going on and you had the, ba- the hockey playoffs and I was watching the basketball. I'm not watching Padres Rangers. Um, but uh, Fernando Tatis is at the plate and they fall behind three and oh. And they gave Tatis. Yeah, I think, a green I think they're up 10 3 at this 10, point. 10 2 or 10 3. 10 3 or 10 4 at this point. It was a big lead. It was, it was a 7 or 8 run lead. And um, and he gets a green light, 3 0, and he hits a grand slam. <laughs> and the Rangers got mad that he was swinging 3 0. And that's considered an unwritten rule in baseball. And Tatis doesn't know. And he got a take sign. I guess he didn't see it. And he's like, didn't see it. Well, he claims he didn't see it. I think he saw it and said, screw that. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I didn't have a problem with it, but everyone's coming to Tatis' defense, and I just think it's not etiquette. It wasn't rubbing it in. The Texas Rangers didn't lose worse because Fernando Tatis hit a grand slam, and you know what? Fans got a kick out of it and let him. I lost your mic. You did? Oh, you're back. Okay. For Unless real? you're just moving your lips. You know, it's funny, these unwritten rules um, is, you know, so interesting because, you know, baseball, you got a 21-year-old kid juiced up, having a great game, already hit a homer, uh, you know, just focusing. You know, he knows he's got a, a 3-0, you know, 3-0 fastball coming, something right down the middle, tease it up. And, uh, uh, you know, you remember when Bryce Harper came out and he was all brash and they're saying, oh, he's violating every rule because he, you know, he's exciting and he, and he gives interviews and he wants the game to be fun and recognizable. And, and so pitchers were beaning him all the time. And, you know, because he was Bryce Harper and, um, you know, there's similar things in all sports, right? You know, the, you take a knee on the five yard line at the last play of the game when you're up by three touchdowns, uh, you know, instead of going for the route, you know, in basketball, you don't, uh, you know, dunk on somebody with 10 seconds to go when you're up 20. 
you know, you, you run the clock out. Um, you know, so it, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I get it. The kid's juiced up, you know, gets a meatball thrown at him and he, and he drills it. So, um, it doesn't bother uh, me. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't bother me at all. Or, or Bryce Harper, I'm, the, I'm on the Bryce Harper side. I want baseball players to be more flamboyant, like you see in basketball, more fan exciting, get to know them better, you know, get out there and, uh, uh, you know, you, know the, you look at football, usually the scrubs are in when you're up four touchdowns. It's my only chance to score the whole season. You know, I'm on the two-yard line. Do I run it in? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, so some of these unwritten rules, let them be pissed. Yeah. Well, it was funny because people were saying on Twitter, like, oh, this just feels normal to be having this debate rather than, you know, should the, should college football kids put their lives at risk? Like, it's a, it's just an easier debate to have. And it reminds exactly. me it reminds me of a time uh, right after 9-11. I would say five days after 9-11. Yeah. Um, Major League Baseball, when they shut down, when they came back, um, the Yankees and Mets were both put on the road. Because Shea Stadium at the time was being used as a triage center, right? And right. so the Mets. So even though we lived in the Yankees, you know, you know, in the in the we're in the you know, even though we lived in New York, uh, we drove down. We were I was at MLB, and uh, I drove down to uh, Philadelphia to the old vet, and uh, I was in Philadelphia and. You know, uh, um, we went there, and Charlie Steiner, who's now the voice of the Dodgers, great guy. Okay. Charlie Steiner came over and said, "This was not on the air." He said, "Can I ask you a sports question?" And I hadn't thought about sports because this was nine eleven. Like it was, it was cr- crazy time. And I went to. I went to um, the situation with with um, Charlie, and we took a walk, and we're in the press area of Veteran Stadium, and the the Phillies were playing the Diamondbacks. Well, no, I don't even think they were playing the Diamondbacks, but the Diamondbacks were in first place. Remember, they won the World Series that year. Right. And he says to me, he says, I don't want to sound callous, so understand the context in which I'm saying this, like, I'm not losing sight of what America is in the midst of. And I said, don't worry. Just say, say what you're going to say. It's like Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling started the last two games before 9-11. And they're going to start the first two games back from 9-11. That's really not fair, is it? <laughs> and he goes, I'm not going to bring it up on the air because it sounds really callous. But isn't that a real thing? And I said, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I, I, you couldn't make that rule. There's no way they could tell him. But Bob Brenly, who was the manager of the Diamondbacks, was probably saying, eh, screw it. I'm going to start my aces again. <laughs> you know, like. Well, they've had four days rest. Exactly. I mean, why, why wouldn't you? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know? I, exactly. And it just it just reminds me of that. Like. If people are mad about Fernando Tatis, and, and no, he's not supposed to strike out. Um, Jim writes, is Tatis supposed to just make an out? Aren't contracts based on productive stats? It, it's not even that. It's it's um, if three and zero. You're supposed to take, make the guy throw a strike, and you're supposed to take. And if he can't find the plate, you get a free pass. 
or three and zero, you know you're getting a strike. Swing away. Like tee it up because the bases are loaded. Right. But right? sometimes so, they but they don't always a lot of times, you know, in the way I was taught baseball in a close game, depending on who the hitter is, if the hitter's not Fernando Tatis Jr., right. um, you'd say three and zero take. Absolutely. Because that would be the, the, the play to make. In this circumstance is an eight run lead and they supposedly they told him to take but he didn't look or he didn't see and he doesn't care and I don't I don't mind it and it doesn't bother me and it's it's fine. And he's leading the league in home runs, so it's a big you know, a bigger right. deal. Right. You know, for and him. He, Twenty one years fine. old. Yeah, and he's fine. And he's fine. So I, you know, I, I said that, but I like that they're all fighting that. You know, like okay, you wanna fight something stupid and frivolous like this? That's fine. Well, at least we're talking about the game, not all the stuff around the game. My favorite line, and you, I, I didn't, it's like I can retell jokes because you haven't heard them. Um, there was a great picture two or three Sundays ago. Uh, the Angels are playing the A's in Oakland, and there's teddy bears. Did I tell you this last night? There's teddy mm. bears. in the, the A's have had cardboard fans, but they put these life-size teddy bears in the seats. Oh. <laughs> and they're there. And so I was on Fox Sports Radio and I saw the picture and a guy reached over a fly ball down the left field line and a guy reached into the stands to get it. And the guy on Fox says, well, if they if that was a um, uh, what's the phrase, if there were fans there, they would have interfered with that. Right. And I said. Actually, it's Oakland, and they never sell tickets out there, so he wouldn't have had any problem whatsoever. Actually, I wouldn't have even put the Bears there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's that, that's been good. Um, the conventions are supposed to be these massive showcases, and half of it's on tape, and I think that's weird. Right. Um, part of it is the the humanity of just watching these guys live. I'm not saying they should have had full-on conventions because, again, we're in a pandemic and that's not the option. But if you know, and never in August have I had basketball, hockey, and baseball. You know, like I'm sorry, there. I that I had a hard time captivating my attention. And this is I don't care what side of the aisle you're you're on. I watch both conventions, and I do. Yeah, yeah. And I watch both of them, and I kept an eye on it, but. Man, when some of the like some of the speeches were amazing, uh, the one woman who her father in Arizona uh, died, I, she was dead on and uh, good for her. And she had she showed a lot of bravery, and th- that's not easy to do. It's even harder if there's twenty thousand people in the arena. And that's you know Bernie was on tape, and Michelle Obama gave a great speech, but she's on tape. And it's an Eva Longoria. What is the point of that? What was, what was she doing there? Well, you know what's interesting because we just had the conversation. Which sport is more affected by not having fans? Football, eighty thousand people. You know, basketball, political rallies, big deal when there's no fans. I mean, you know, for Michelle Obama to give that great speech, but tape it so early, she didn't even know that Kamala Harris was was the vice president. Was the vice president? You know, to me is. It's yeah. a you know it's a waste. You couldn't have waited two days or reshot it or, or something or add, and, added something in or something. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And um, 
you know, you, they talk about the ratings going way down. Well, it's again, less compelling when it's not live because you can tape it and watch it later. You're going to see the highlights and it's not live anyway. Um, you know, it's like watching you know, the 81 World Series. So th there's a lot and, and, and both conventions are affected the same way. I mean, you, you, they had, you know, Trump flew into an airport hangar, had 50 people there, uh, you know, but at least the energy made it live. Right. You can right? see that. And yeah. And I think that's. But uh, I don't know who those people were, and I didn't see any masks. And again, no, all, they were, they all you got to say is Tulsa, Oklahoma, because uh, Herman Cade died because of it. Yeah, well, they were they were, they were wearing masks um, that I saw, or they're far enough apart. You know, they're they're outdoors. You know, however you want to put it. Uh, but again, the, you know, just having that many people, you know, makes it you know engaging because it's live. It's interactive. People are you know can ask a question, and that and it's it's a tough thing you know because. You know, Biden's been accused of hiding from the press for money or not doing a real press conference in right. three, four months. You know, at some point, which I don't you know, know why he can't do can... a press conference. He can do it socially distant. And I'm not saying he needs to go to campaign stops, but just be more visible. Well, and then what I'm saying is that without the live audience, it really takes the life out of the convention, Democrat or Republican. Right. It's right. it's just so different not having a, uh, you know, a a life presence the you know you know they talk about you know biden not is he energizing or not energizing no way to tell and you know obviously his you know now he's going to do his speech from delaware um you know so it's again it's a it's a missing in this you know in this setting and i think you'll, you'll see it on both sides because you know, both sides are doing like. yeah and, and and we're so fractured and everything is so ugly and the rhetoric has been so nasty and, you know, it, it, it's been one of those situations where um, I don't think, in my opinion, and again, this is my opinion, um, I have many friends, including people I do shows with, that are Republicans, and I have great respect for the Republican Party. The Republican Party is not the right-wing nutjobs who are, I'm not wearing a mask, and COVID's dumb, and that's, that's fluff. And there's a difference between being a Republican and I, like I said, I have very close friends that are Republicans, including you. And I don't have any judgment. I don't judge. And yesterday, um, this was all over Facebook. Um, my dear friend, and I told you this off, off the air, my dear friend, Jay Feely. Uh, Jay Feely um, is the former kicker, you know, in the NFL, kick for the Seahawks, the Giants, the Jets, a bunch of other teams. And I know him from these days with the Jets. I did a show with him. And, you know, he's been on my podcast and he's just a great guy. He came, got my kid a toy when he came. Like he was playing Jay Feely. This is how good a guy Jay Feely is. He was playing. So he was doing practice and all that stuff. And yeah, he's a kicker. He's not a lineman, but it's not the point. He's playing and he came over to tape a show. And he came over because I had the setup to tape a show. And he brought my then two-year-old daughter a toy. He stopped off at a toy store and got her a toy. Like you don't have to do that. You're, you're, no way. And it bought, blew my mind away. Anyway, Saturday he played golf with Trump. Right. And he played golf with Trump, and he wrote this this message. And I can find it. He wrote this whole message, and man, did he get crushed. I mean, when I, he he just this is what he wrote. He wrote, what an epic day, had the honor of playing golf with President Trump today, and he and I were partners, truly enjoyed talking about our families, talking politics, and listening to his earnest desires for our country. 
we had uh, an unexpected flyover from two F-15s as we stood on the tee box. I started with a birdie and closed with a birdie. Truly, truly unbelievable. I'm still amazed I got the opportunity to do that. And he was trending on Twitter Sunday because that's when Trump supposedly found out about his brother. So his brother dies and he's playing golf with Jay Feely. And I was caught in the middle because I'm not ripped. Should the president be playing golf when there's a pandemic going on and, and, and his brother's in the hospital and all these things? And I get all that. But I also, that's my friend, and I'm not letting him get thrown over the coals. And he was trending on Twitter, not in a good way. And I felt bad. And Sports Illustrated is like, we have to do a story. You know, Jay Feely, you have to do an interview. I'm like, he's not taking my call. Like, what are you, out of your goddamn mind? Well, the same thing happened to Brett Favre the week before. A guy with a you know Hall of Fame career. They're all saying, well, he should be a, you know erased from history because he played golf with Trump. I mean, the personal, I mean, the the personal venom is something that is so out of control. And you want to talk policy, you want to talk what's best. Great, all for it. The personal venom, you know, is something. You know, this whole cancel culture. Oh, if you say the wrong thing, I'm going to make sure you never work again the day in your life. Um, you saw it with the Houston Rockets photographer. He he forwarded a, a, a tweet about uh, Kamala. Uh, Kamala Harris, which Kamala. was not flattering, the, the Joe and the Ho. Uh, 30 years of work, he's fired immediately. It's like, can't you make an apology and get a fine and get a, I mean, isn't there a middle ground somewhere for forwarding something insensitive? You know, how many times have you told a joke and you go, boy, that just didn't go over well. Oh, my life is over. And, uh, you know, I think the, you know, this whole, you know, you, you say the wrong thing and your career is over. You say the wrong thing and you're, banned for life you, you you know you do something stupid and you know uh you know you're you know hounded the rest of your life i mean it's come on that's you know that it's you know, now you're talking about uh you know uh you know f- what happened to forget the, you know your right of free speech just the common courtesy of, of you know being able to you know say the wrong thing and recover from it and say you know i got that i learned from it i apologize for it that's not who i am wow did that come out i I, re- I realized something I didn't know before. I mean, that experience is gone. Comedians being able to, you know, cross the line, uh, you know, doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's to me is, is you know, the, the whole bridge too far thing. You know, that's uh, it's too much. You know, that's it's too fractured. Me, whatever side you're on, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I, I don't get it. And, uh, you know, my opinion is that if you can't stand up to scrutiny, then, uh, you know, you don't have the right position, but to, to yell somebody down means that you don't have a very strong point. If you got to win by brute, you know, not by idea. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's the part that gets me all the time. I just, like I said, I, I've never in my life ever had a problem. You know, I always thought it was weird because when I was growing up, people would always say, you don't bring up politics at dinner time. You don't do that. That's not right. And I never I didn't understand that because I'd be learning things in like social studies and I'd be like, well, why can't we do this? And, you know, and I grew up in the 80s. So Ronald Reagan was the president and I dug him. I thought he was very debonair and he said things really nicely. And I remember what he his speech when the Challenger exploded. And I thought that was really like he showed leadership. And I like that. And I, even George Bush, who screwed up in Iraq and I don't want to talk about Katrina but when 9-11 happened and he was standing on the rubble and he says and you tell those guys we're gonna hear from us like I was like right right the hell on like right on and then you know and while he was still in office I met George Bush and he was the funniest dude and I had a great meeting and then he sent 
a uh, a picture, and I'm gonna get the picture. Hold on one second. Talk, talk amongst yourselves. Well, it's funny. So you, you talk about um, you know being able to play golf with the president. You know the respect for the office. Um, you know when uh, when Obama was in in office, I had the opportunity to go to the White House to uh, you know to do an event there. It was a uh, uh, you know you know cocktail party type event, and Obama came and spoke. Biden was there. Uh, Supreme Court justices to tour the White House, you know, to be able to have that experience, whether you're cool. a Republican or a Democrat, to have the, you know, the, uh, the grandeur of you know, being able to experience that up close and to, uh, you know, see the president in action up close and to get to talk to a Supreme Court justice and, you know, senators and congressmen. I mean, it's, you know, when you can have that experience, you know, the respect for that, you know, it still means something. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, you don't like the guy or you don't like his policies, you know, the, the, the thing that, that always gets me is the level of venom um, that's in the, in the conversation, both directions. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously more towards Trump than away from Trump, uh, you know, because just the level of venom is just, in, you know. Well, he brings it on. You know, yeah. Punishing. It's amazing you can get up every day. Uh, you know, but even when you see the people who shouldn't be venomous, you know, reporters, uh, you know, guys I respect, the CNN guys, Wolf Blitz or John King, you know, these guys who I know who have done NBA events, All-Star Weekend, you know, it's hard to, you know, to muster the same respect when I see it just so unreportery, you know, so no, partisan, I, I, I so name-calling. I don't disagree. Uh, I mean, the, that shouldn't be that way. You know, that, right. I mean, that's that, that's not how it should be. I and it wasn't get... like that for John McCain, and it wasn't like that for Mitt Romney, and it wasn't like that for John Kerry. Um and I'm not saying any of those guys should have been president. I'm, I'm not going there, you know. And we had a nasty fight in 2000. I remember that one. You know, and people remember that. And it didn't have the venom that it has now. And the name calling and the, it just the viciousness. Uh, it's just it's, it's so wrong. But I will say, so my quick story, and I, 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 when I was at the Nationals opener, the Na- Washington Nationals opener, uh, Hal Bodley, who was a longtime USA Today writer. He was working for MLB, and he knew George Bush from when George Bush owned the Rangers, the Texas Rangers. Right. And he set up an interview, and we all had to get vetted. Even though I wasn't doing the interview, we all had to get vetted by the Secret Service. We had to give all our information and all that stuff. And we were in this booth. We were in one of the press booths, you know, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here he comes, and George Bush opens the door, and he goes, do I have the right room? And he goes... Do you guys all work for Major League Baseball? And he came over and he shook everybody's hand. There were 11 people in that room. He shook everybody's hand. And he goes, you guys work for Major League Baseball? And everybody's, so we're in a semicircle. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, so my friend, the cheapskate Bud Selig, signs your checks? And he said, yeah. And I don't know why he looked at me, but I was like off to the side. And he just looks at me and he just goes, do they pay you a lot? And I just, I had to react and I just go, actually, Mr. President, I'd love to ask you about that. And, and like the whole place laughed and we stopped and before the interview, they took a photo and we didn't ask for the photo. We couldn't, we couldn't ask for it, you know, um, like, like we, we couldn't, you know, like we didn't, we didn't bring our cameras and I don't even know if I, I guess the iPhone had just come out and about six weeks later, there was this like big envelope sent to the MLB offices, and it was this photo signed by President Bush, 
like personalized photos signed by President Bush that they didn't have to do. And I took him home and I framed it. And this is so this is it. So this is the picture. And you see Bush. Yeah, Bush is right there. Mm -hmm. I'm right there. And all those people, I'm trying to get it so there's no glare. But, and it was awesome. And it, it was so nice. And I didn't vote for George Bush, but I liked him. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> would, yeah, you frame, would you frame a pick if today's prez shook your hand? He wouldn't shake my hand because if he found out who I was related to, he had, so Donald Trump had an issue with my family. I've told this story before. I think I've told you before. Donald Trump had uh, two issues with my family. Uh, and if he knew who I was um, related to, he, he wouldn't shake my hand. I don't think. Hard to say. He certainly you know, works with his enemies. And, uh, you know, so know. it's hard to say. You know, like I said, when I went, went I'm not to leaving Obama my house, House. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. The Obama White House. Uh, my dad had, uh, yeah. you know, he was a basketball fan. So it was, you know, it was me, my dad and, and you know, Wendy and Logan, my wife and son. Um, and uh, my dad presented Obama with a top 50 poster. Oh, uh, awesome. You know, brought it up and, uh, you know, gave it to the Secret Service guy. Here it is, new autograph. And they got a, that kind of thank you note, you know, back in the mail. And uh, so it's, um, uh, you know, again, no matter which side you're on, it's a, he's the president. He's, you know, the, um, you know, that, there, there should be a level of respect there. And the fact that, you know, things have turned so, so, you know, you're into venom and name calling. Um, you know, it's, it's a shame. It's hard to be, you know, it's hard to be in the middle anymore. You know, you're, if you're not on, on one end, you're a traitor. If you're not on the other end, you're something else. And, uh, you know, it's, it's when most people are in the middle and, you know, it's, it's being driven so much by this, you know, this, you know, this incredible outside energy. It's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a shame there, uh, you know, and I don't know, I don't know the solution anymore. Um, I don't think that, is there somebody who can bring the sides together? Well, I don't or know. Has it become so I, polarized? I, I, that... There's only one chance. There's only there's only one chance because if it's the other way, it's not going to be. Uh, and I don't know that the I don't know that he can. And I don't. I'm not a huge fan, but he has to be the lesser of two evils. Has to be. Has to be. Um, well, is he? But you know, then there's the question: Is he even running the show anymore? You know. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm, it is. It's a tough. I'm not. I'm not debating. I. I'm not. Crazy thing out there. I don't know. I don't know. But I know. I know what I see. I know. I know. I know. I know what's out there. Um, he's uh, Andrew writes. I can tell the story if you'd like, because I've told the story on on this show before. Um, he says, "You think Republicans will just sit silent if Biden wins and socialism takes over?" No, I don't think they will. But if he has control of the House and the Senate, um, he'll get more done. I mean, that's just because we're fractured. We're a fractured country, and this is what this is what it is. And I'm not a huge Bernie Sanders guy, but man, Canada's got something good going on. And they handle coronavirus really, really well. Why? Because they're goddamn unified. And I'm not saying I like their plan. I'm not saying that's the best way to work. I'm not saying that socialism works or, or any of that. That's not what my point is. My point is I'd like one plan. And you know what? This is a world where if you don't like the government, go somewhere else. But here... It's everything's fractured. We can't even get college football right. <laughs> it, it's, it's just everything is vitriol and venom 
And this bullshit with the with the post office is so stupid. It's so dumb. And it is nasty. And it's argumentative. And it's just wrong. It's wrong all over the place. And I, I, again, I don't care if you're... I didn't even realize that Murphy was a Democrat. Governor Murphy in New Jersey, he kicked ass and took names. And he made a lot of enemies. Because he shut down a lot of businesses. But now, we went from having 8,000 people in hospitals... To now we have about 55. Out of 9 million people, we're the dent, most dense populated state. New Jersey got it right. New Jersey got it right. Is it because he's a Democrat? I'm, I don't know. All I know is he stood up and he acted like a leader. And, and the question is, do we even have to ask? Can't we look at the care. policy right. I don't and care. say, did this work? You know, and we can't, even, we can't even do that anymore. It's like, oh, well, it's a Democrat state, so this. Oh, it's a Republican state, so right. that. You know, it's like he did it his way and here's the result. They did it this way. Here's the result. What's the better way? Right. And you know, I, I said all along. And again, if you think this is political, the, the, the governor of Florida looks like a member of the Legion of Doom. He is one of the biggest idiots I've ever seen. And I don't care where he comes from and I don't care who voted for him. He's killing people and people are dying because of this guy's ignorance. That's all. It's a fact. And well, so why don't we talk about the fact instead about of the, instead, why do we need the idiot conversation? He's right. he's doing a certain thing. Is that a better way or a worse way? Remember, going into this, Much nobody worse. knew the People Much were trying worse. different things, trying to figure it out. We didn't even know it was a virus for a while. So why is he an idiot? Because he tried it one way. It either worked or it didn't. Well, because That's he part of the tried result. it because he saw New York and New Jersey, and he did his own thing. He okay. saw the way so, it was working. He saw what Italy did. He saw what New Zealand did. He saw what Canada did. He saw the evidence and said, screw it. I'm going to do what the president wants because I want to be his boy. And he did it. And he told people to go to clubs and he opened bars. He opened beaches and people were dying left and right. And now there's a spike and it's out of control. And people were fleeing Florida because of this clown. And he looks like he's sinister. Like he's going to sit next to the Riddler and, uh, and, and, and the Scarecrow, write and listen to Lex Luthor give the next battle for the Legion of Doom. Well, certainly no bombast or, uh, or opinion there. So anyway, <laughs> on that note. All right, my friend. Thank you very much. Um, I would say how's your, your um, you give out your Twitter handle. If you can see on the top of the, the, top of the screen there, uh, you see my Twitter handle. That's my Instagram, which I don't know how to do. Uh, but I have it. And uh, my YouTube channel, which supposedly this show has been streaming on YouTube and Facebook. And my friend from Italy, uh, she's a reporter in Italy, and she uh, was watching part of our show in the beginning. When you were talking about your son, remember I was saying something about uh, if your son was a guard? Right. She watched that part on Facebook, which I thought was really Very cool. cool, which I didn't know you could do. So I'm learning all this technology stuff, too. Uh, no show tomorrow because, uh, Jim says great having Danny back. Jim's a guy who, uh, uh, uh listened to us on the radio. Um, uh, no Thank show you, tomorrow. To be back. We have a big SAG after thing going on cause their health insurance is falling apart and, uh, we've got that coming on. But Thursday, Jay Mariotti is in the house and he's going to do the one o'clock show. And then a is putting together. And I haven't heard what he's got yet, but it, it's always going to be interesting. He's putting together a watch party for the Portland Trailblazers and the 
Los Angeles Lakers, uh, game two. Game one's tonight, game two. Um, and uh, yeah, and they, they did it. And look at that. Esther's on the screen. She said, thanks for the shout out. And how look at that. That's so cool. You can comment on Facebook and it goes on the screen. And I didn't even know that. I am learning this technology thing. This looks cool. And the only question I have is, should I put music on while we're talking? And is there a function where you can sh turn us down and pump the music up and say, screw these guys. They don't make any sense. As long as I don't have to sing. <laughs> that would be bad. No, that, that would be bad. <laughs> and yes, you have to add me on Facebook because that's how you can see the show on Facebook. But I don't know what it does to the Twitch number, so I don't know. I'm learning this on the fly. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Danny.